If you lived here, you'd have less non-broken bones and more crushed spirits. Greetings, folks. I'm Dan Mack. And this is Chris Mack. And I'm Pete. And you're listening to episode 25 of the Shred Shack Podcast, your weekly source of news and uninformed yet heavily biased opinions pertaining to all things heavy metal. First, let's talk some old business. Old business is old business, and new business is new business. Well, I decided that old business, I'm just going to do kind of like headlines, because we've been mentioning the same thing like every week. And I'm calling this one The Ongoing Sabbath Saga. Because every week we've been talking about something with Black Sabbath. Uh, right now, let's start off with, although all members have stated in one way or another that there would not be a final recording, there seems to be some backtracking now. Geezer's quote as saying, I was just being logical at the time. We were given six months to write and record an album. I said, there's absolutely no way we can do it in six months. There's nothing stopping us doing an album after this farewell tour. Ozzy goes on to say, Time ain't on our side. By the time we've written and recorded another album, it will be another three years. I'm not saying I'll never record with Tony or Geezer again. I would be perfectly okay if there was no further Black Sabbath album with, with Ozzy. I'm good with yeah. that, too. I, I mean, mean, yeah. This, I, this should be the farewell. Like, yeah, it really should be. They shouldn't do the thing where they come back again the following year. Oh, we're back, guys. Like... But they really are getting up there in years. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is... are they in their 70s by now or 60s? Late, the 60s? late 60s, early 70s. You better watch it, guys. We're watching a lot of people getting picked off in their late 60s. Yeah. Yeah, no joke. Yeah, that's, not, that's no joke. No they, joke at all. They've already canceled some shows, right? Yeah, as a matter of fact, they canceled two shows in Canada because Ozzy has a bad case uh, of sinus infection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like how it was written on there as sinusitis, and I was like, "That's not a thing." <laughs> That's not a thing. They're making that up. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so stupid. Yeah, and you know. That should be covered on the old news anyway, because the fact of the matter is that that's been going on for half of Ozzy's career. As of late, so yeah, I mean, considering that that his sinuses and his uh, nasally way of singing is pretty much pivotal to his sound. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the shows weren't canceled, so to speak. They've been postponed. Uh, they got they have to confirm new dates. The tickets are going to be redeemed at those new dates, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I feel though, like with a band like Black Sabbath, where the the songs they they are going to play are going to be mostly their quote unquote legendary tracks. Just have the audience sing. <laughs> just come out on stage with the band, do the stuff, and just say like, you know, like have somebody just kind of lead into it, because the, because the audience will do the rest. War Pigs is done by the audience anyway. I know, right? The rest That's of true. it can be done. That's very true. I mean, yeah. just put the teleprompter up on the big screens that I have up there, and let the audience go nuts. It's a big group karaoke thing. I, I I feel like a lot of bands could pull that off, and they should. You know, it's like yeah, it sucks like Motley Crue. Like yeah, it sucks that you can't see the singer, but. They're still playing a show, and they're still giving you something, and you just have to give a little back. I, I feel like it could be it could be done. Yeah. Well, continuing on with the Sabbath saga here, especially concerning Bill Ward, the original drummer who is not part of this, apparently um, Giza Butler has claimed that the band has offered original drummer Bill Ward the chance to play the band's final gig ever this September, but he has refused. Of course, Bill War came back and has said that he was never made such an offer. By Thursday, Geezer publicly apologized to Bill War for not 
being offered a chance to drum at Black Sabbath's last show. Why, in the modern days of social media, would you even say something like that? Like, lay a claim down like that, that you know is going to get back to him? Well, I Maybe think, he I just th- forgot. No, I think, <laughs> I, think the, I, I think the thing is that Geezer was under the impression that Bill was offered it by somebody in the management. Mm. I mean, because, th- you know, this, these things don't happen between band members when you, when you reach that level. They happen between attorneys and band managers. Mm. So he was probably under the impression that this offer was made. No one obviously told Geezer that it was not made. Mm. So Geezer goes off, says something silly. It comes back to bite him. At least he's bad enough to apologize. But still, that's, that's kind of rough, though. Like, that you can't... That you haven't... That what you think is unfounded. And, like, you're supposed to be... Band members not really have that much animosity toward each other. Yeah, well, I think when you reach a certain level, your band is no longer just a band. It's a, it's a corporate... It's an organization... Much in the same lines as, like, say, like a sports team, mm. where like there's a the players, we think of members of the band, and then people actually run the band, and it's not the band members, that's for sure. So be sure to expect a lot of news like this when the Guns N' Roses reunion kicks in. Oh, most certainly. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be bad. <laughs> Far worse than this. Axel Rose's attorney says that Slash's attorney is a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> And that Slash is not going to talk to Axel, but they're still going to play the show. They're not going to look each other in the eye, but they're going to go on stage together. Or so you think. There will be two stages constructed together. Yeah. Well, there is a, there, there's the ego ramp. That's the Axel ramp. You know, with the escalator and everything. And the oxygen tanks. <laughs> <laughs> Ambulance on standby. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Will, will, will he ever not be a joke in our weekly discussions? I hope not. <laughs> the day he passes away, we might not make fun of him for yeah, a minute. How old is he? <laughs> not 69. Not 69 or 70. <laughs> but that's it for the Sabbath saga, and that's it for old news, actually. So, so let's go on to our new business. And this is new business, and we do not discuss new business until next quarter. And as always with new business, we start off with new album releases for this week. I'm going to start off with a downer. This is a bummer, because I was looking forward to this. Aventasia Ghost Lights. I've been saying, like, I've been disappointed by it, but I've also not been crazy about anything Avantasia since maybe Scarecrow. I've, like, I've liked a couple of tracks, but overall, every package that comes out, I'm like, eh. I, I don't know why, because, again, it's, it's, Tobias haven't releasing a lot of the same material over and over, honestly, and it's all good. It's got all the things that would make an album really good, but I just can't get into it. Even all the singers he gets, I'm like, I love Jorn Landy, I love Russell Allen, I love Bob Catley, I love all those guys. But what comes out of it is never really that special. I can't get into it. Um, and with Ghost Lights, um, I was excited for some of the stuff that he, uh, some of the guys that he had come on that were different because um, he had um, Marco Hitala for the first time. 
Nat Track was good, but, you know, forgettable. Um, he had D. Snyder come on. D. Snyder's not made for operatic type of power metal. No. Like, he, like, in the choruses he sounds good, but that's because in the choruses of, of albums like this, they really beef it up. So, if you're a bad singer, which D. Snyder technically is not, but, like, if you're not really mixing well, you sound like you mix well, because he can, he can just kind of make it sound better. And then Jeff Tate, who will, like, Every time I hear Jeff Tate now, I'm like, man, I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> hate is a strong word. He just done tossed it out. Because, no, again, I, I, I've, I love Jeff Tate's older material in Queensryche, but as time has gone on, the way he sings is really just, like, dull. And it doesn't sound like he's actually into it. I was gonna say, it sounds like he's just going through the motions. Like it, it always kinda... sounds like he's going through the motions. That's, huh. that's the thing. It, it's it sounded that way since the like the mid nineties, and this this track is no different. Um, I again, it, it was it was a whole, it was a whole album of like this is good but not great. I mean, it's it's a forgettable album. I I I feel like they haven't made one full cohesive album. Uh, Aventasia hasn't released a full cohesive album since Metal Opera 2. Uh, so it's been about a decade and a half. So um, I, I also said the same thing about the previous album, Mystery of Time, um, but I think, I don't know if you, I think you Chris... And, yeah, I had it. And Pat, it. Pat had said, like, you know, they really liked the album. And I was like, eh, I'm, I'm not feeling it. I just, I, I don't like what, what Tobias is doing with Aventasia. So, um, and this album hasn't changed my opinion at all. Well, at least we still have Ed Guy to fall back on. Yeah, Space Police, baby. Ed, and Ed Guy is, is is goofy, fun. You know, they they kind of hit the same thing, the same like heavier Bon Jovi sound. But I mean, even even that is is like I, I've been indifferent to that since uh, Tinnitus Sanctus. So uh, I mean, again, I love Tobias. It's just like I'm not feeling what he's been putting out in the last few years. I, you need a little bit more variety from him, probably something yeah. new, something I, fresh. But but like it, it bothers me though, because like again, I'm saying like he's not really doing anything different, and Arion has all these different things um, running through it that are exactly the same. Like you hear solos and little bits inside of um, any sort of thing that um, Arian does, and you know it's him, and you're like, it, it's just it still sounds good and, and interesting and I don't know why that's any different but I mean it's something just something just irks me about this about this album and, and Tobias in the last few mm. years um, more more Rock Me Amadeus <laughs> <laughs> yeah alright my first album for the week is Conan Revengeance Revenge. These guys play Metal Gear Solid, or or they're they're from the Revengeancers from uh, Metalocalypse, or or any of that nonsense. Revenge of the Vengeance. <laughs> yeah, but I went into this album com- thinking completely different style of music because I, I was just looking through the. I never heard of this band before, and I was looking through the song titles like Throne of Fire, Thunderhoof, and Wrath Gauntlet. And I'm expecting power metal, yeah. full on, and what I got was. British stoner doom metal 
And my God, is this thing fucking heavy. It is so good. <laughs> it really is. And there's... I, got, I wrote down here, it's so, so heavy. Guitars as thick as bong smoke and grooves for days. And that is definitely the case with this record. Hashtag grooves for days. Grooves for days. Grooves for days. Did up. you listen to this beat? I have not. I just oh, listened to it. It is really good. I'm um, going to, though. Yeah. It uh, like I like I wrote down, I was ex- I was expecting more along the lines of like a Man of War thing, but I was pleasantly surprised with this one. It was really good. I was highly recommend checking this one out, and that's Conan Revengeance. Nice. All right. Uh, the only new release I had time to check out this week was Scape. This is their first full-length album. This is an American black metal duo. Uh, it's technically called Scape 2 or Scape Squared, I think, the way it was written on uh, Encyclopedia Metallum. Uh, their the original self-title was their demo, which was released a couple of years ago. But anyways, these guys are atmospheric black metal. and So when it comes to atmospheric black metal, you know the band is always trying to create some kind of specific soundscape, right? some kind of ambiance. And what you have with this album is you get this sense that you're almost trapped in a cave, right? It's pitch black. You hear some like sinister sounds in the distance. You're not sure where they're coming from. It's almost reverberating through the walls. Maybe it's on the other side of that cave wall. And it's just this overall distressing kind of soundscape they've created. Now, it's, it's muffled. It sounds like very strange. You could almost chalk it up to maybe this is just your standard lo-fi black metal recording, but I honestly think this is very deliberate on the band's part, and I think they've achieved a very uh, specific kind of, of sound. Um, musically, the, the riffs are you know it's a basic kind of blast beats. It, it tend, the lyrics tend towards more the lyric sound tends towards more like death metalish side. It's nothing revolutionary, but that doesn't mean it's not well composed. They, they've done a good job with what they've produced. Um, I'd say. It's definitely worth checking out if you are like a fan of ambient black metal. Um, but even if you're not, like this is it's an all around good album. Um, it's you got to know what you're getting into. You know, it's it's very kind of a, in this genre. It's not about like awesome solos or anything like that. It's just it's about a certain feeling that you get from listening to it. It's a very kind of distressing and sinister kind of feeling that you get listening to it. But that's what they were going for, and they I think they did a pretty good job with it. Awesome. All right, so my next release, um, I actually haven't fully listened to yet. Um, because it's eight hours long. Yeah. <laughs> because it's two hours long and I bought it yesterday. Uh, the new Dream Theater album, The Astonishing. I haven't followed Dream Theater in, God, five, six years. So probably the, the, the last one you listened to was probably with Mike Portnoy on it, Yeah, right? the last one I picked up day one was Black Clouds and Silver Linings. Mm-hmm. I don't think I even listened to that album in its entirety. 
Last album I actually paid somewhat attention to was probably Systematic Chaos. And even before then, Train of Thought was one of the better ones. Um, so I haven't kept up with Dream Theater lately. Um, I know that they've gone through the, the drummer change and everything. I don't know how that really affects them. But fast forward to right now with The Astonishing, a two-plus-hour concept album, um, double disc, just screams epic. And I'm stealing it from your... Yes. <laughs> but no, honestly... Well, they're... I caps lock it, so it's epic! <laughs> C-C-C-C. Dash, dash. Um, it's... It's actually gotten me excited for a Dream Theater album, which hasn't happened in a long time. Even with like a lot of the stuff that I've, I've picked up when it came out, Systematic Chaos, Octavarium, uh, Black Clouds and Silver Linings. I, I never crazy got into it, but this album, just listen to it, it's pretty good. Got some um, got some some strange medieval thing to it. Even though it's supposed to be kind of futuristic, there is like this big epic sound of like a big court in some of the tracks. So it's a lot like that. Um, a lot of your your progressive noodling. Love that shit. Can't which, wait to get this. Which I forget how much they actually do it and how it's like how how how, how can you sound. forget? But they like it seems to be like like. Because the opening tracks are all instrumental, or a lot of the first few tracks are instrumental, they, they kind of like just shove it in there, bam, bam, bam. And uh, they're like, hey, by the way, we're progressive. <laughs> <laughs> no, if, but, you have, if you have forgotten over the last 20 years, we are fucking progressive. Yeah, but so far, the tracks that I've heard, which is probably about half of the first disc, I've gotten, I've gotten into and I've, I've enjoyed, um, which again, has not happened for me with Dream Theater in a while. Um, I think because of the fact that it is a concept album and everything runs together and everything kind of flows smoothly, I can get more into it because with Dream Theater, a lot of their stuff is just really, it really feels overblown when it's kind of... Well, if it's like one song that's like 15 minutes long, this seems to be like, it's 34 total tracks, right? Uh, Yeah. So it's kind of like an Arion album, or at least Arion's last album, yeah. where it's like very short tracks. Like kind of when you combine them, it's like one long track, but they're yeah. you know short and to the point, and they get they get the story driving. Yeah, and I, and I feel that 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 flows better for some of their for some of their bigger stuff. Um, so what I've heard so far, I'm really enjoying. I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of it. Uh, currently, a little distracted by something that I'll mention later, uh, because I bought this album and then. Six hours later, bought a different EP. Um, ah. so, so I will mention that EP a little bit later on in this discussion. But I am looking forward to finishing out the album um, and just seeing what they have to offer now. Because again, I haven't caught up with these guys in a while. So. Well, if you're excited for the album, that means I'm probably going to love it. Because I like the last two albums a lot. Yeah. Especially the, the most recent one, which I can't remember the name I, of. I, I feel like if you follow Dream Theater up to this point, you're likely not going to be disappointed. Well, I've, I've been reading some... I haven't been reading them, but I've been seeing some of the reviews that are coming back in, and one of the ones on uh, Metal Sucks was, was specifically done by a guy who is not a Dream Theater fan, mm-hmm. and he gave it four and a half horns up. So that says something about what this band has to offer now. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, my next one is from a band called Serenity. Uh, the album's called Codex Atlanticus.
This is their fifth full-length album. They're from they're an Austrian symphonic progressive power metal band. So they hit on all chords here. They're symphonic, they're progressive, and they're power metal. Yeah, they're hitting all the notes. Yeah. Several and, times. And this is where Dan steals my line. This whole album screams, Epic! Because there's huge guitars, soaring orchestral parts, there's power vocals, and incredible melody. Um, the singers sound... The singers, there's multiple singers here. They sound like Sonata Octrica, Ed Guy, and a couple different other European power metal bands. Uh, I did some searching around just to see if there were any guest vocalists because some like one guy really does sound like Tobias. Like if it's not Tobias, I'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't find any real information about it except that um, Amanda Somerville is providing some female vocals and she's on like every power metal album ever right now. I love me some Amanda Somerville. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> for more than just her singing, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I won't get into too many more details only because this is definitely in the running for my top three in January. So if it makes it, even if it makes it into the honorable mention, I'll definitely get a little bit more into it. You can keep going with your next three. All right. Well, I got, um, I'm going to just lump the next two together because because, um, I didn't write too much about them and they both kind of fall in the same vein here. Like just heavy, hardcore type of stuff. Uh, Hollow Earth, Parting Remains, it's an EP. And this one is like an EP in the truest sense because it's three songs is like 18 minutes long instead of like an EP that's like longer than a Slayer album. That's, that's, that's pretty long for three tracks. Well, let's just say, say that Periphery released what they considered an EP, their clear EP, and that was like that was like 28 minutes long. Okay, well, we're talking about a lot of noodling there. Yeah, true. Uh, but anyway, the Hollow Earth is a Detroit hardcore band which features members of uh, Shai Halud. Uh, it's short, it's to the point, it's in your face, but somehow a little melodic. And it's not like like um, hardcore as far as um, like Hatebreed, where it's like really driving. This one has a little bit more feel to it, a little bit more groove to it. Um, Black Tusk came out, Pillars of Ash. their fourth um, full length album they're more sludge metal um, but again that was just another really good heavy album very in your face and I really have nothing else more to say about them except for the fact that I unfortunately missed them playing on Friday night they played here at the Corova with Royal Thunder Um, well show I wanted to see but it just wasn't in the cards this week did you see that show? I did not get to go I wanted to so there will be no I saw a show for this episode unfortunately no 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 um, should I just finish off with my last yeah, one? Finish, uh, finish off with my last one. This is something that Pete and I listened to together in um, in the gym. Brimstone Coven, Black Magic. The knowledge we require. Black magic, 
great band name. Yes, awesome. and it's a great band. Uh, they're from West Virginia. They're a stoner doom metal ba- band. I want you to read what you wrote on the script. <laughs> Whoa, retro. <laughs> can, we get, can we get t-shirts that say that? Whoa, retro. Well, that has to go in line with my... my I'm going to release a, a clothing line for my lines here. Whoa, retro. Uh, t- holy fuck, technical death metal. <laughs> and epic with dash C, dash C, dash C, dash C. <laughs> Maybe a little progressive noodling, too. Yeah, progressive Maybe. noodling, yeah. <laughs> um, but this man is carrying the torch of like heavy riff based songs a la Black Sabbath much like the sword uh, they got some vintage vocals with like Royal Thunder and Honeymoon Disease um, when we were listening to it I I thought I heard a little glimpse of Santana in there especially in the guitar solo and some of the vocal delivery I mean I was thinking I was listening to some Black Magic Woman or uh, Oye Como Va was in there a little bit. There was definitely very vintage um, Santana in there. Um, vocals, male, female? Male. Okay. Male. Um, clean. Okay, because you were saying Royal Thunder, Honeymoon Disease, both. I just, uh, yeah, both just, clean, but, but in the same, like, um, vintage vibe yeah, of okay. those two bands. Like, when, when we were listening to them, like, when, they, when you played that first track, I immediately thought it was The Sword, like, it was an album. Yeah. And there was that one track that we got up to that sounded like. They literally took a Black Sabbath riff and like took out like three or four notes and yeah. played it. What I'm noticing um, in the last few months has been like these these stoner doom bands, mm-hmm. um, these with a the retro sound with like deeper female vocals, and like it's a great fit. Yeah, it's a great fit. I mean, it's pretty much like I would probably like Janis Joplin more if she was singing behind this in front of this kind of music. Gotcha. I cannot wait until I get to my social media highlight now. That's, that's, that's all I'm going to say. Well, I quickly glimpsed ahead. I saw that. I was like, uh-oh, this could be good. <laughs> um, just a closing note about this album. This album is fun, and it's another outstanding throwback to the origins of music we love. Yeah. Um, so I didn't get to listen to too many albums this week. Um, usually what I do is I go through heavymetal.about.com, I go through all the CD releases and I copy and paste all the titles, put it into YouTube. I listen to one track, and if it's if it sounds good, I will highlight it and go back to it later. I didn't get a chance to go back to any of it later because of the fact that there was a so much of it, and b I got caught up in other shit. Um, so here I'm gonna make mention of a lot of the stuff that I got to like, take a quick listen to and I enjoyed. Um, <clears throat> Actually, I'm going to start off with one that I actually didn't get to hear anything from, but I know I'm going to enjoy it because it's fucking Primal Fear! (laughs) Primal Fear's new album, Rule Breaker, came out this week, and uh, unfortunately I have not heard anything from it, but again, like I said, it's Primal Fear. Primal Fear is awesome. If you do not like Primal Fear, get the fuck out. Primal Fear writes the best Judas Priest songs that Judas Priest hasn't written yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's about it. I mean, they... They are they are really good, and the funny thing that you mentioned that because I went back and listened to Unbreakable, mm. their previous album, and yeah, awesome. I mean, uh, you you do know that that Ralph Sheepers tried out for Judas Priest. Yeah, I'm sure he has. No, I mean, he, he sounds like when, the Ripper. When when they got rid, uh, when Rob Halford left and Judas Priest was planning to reunite, Ralph Sheepers left Gamma Ray to try out for Judas Priest, and when that didn't work, he formed uh, he formed Primal Fear. The best Judas Priest tribute band ever. So, so yeah, yes, it, 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 it sucks you didn't get to join Judas Priest, but man, Primal man, Fear. What, what has been because of such? 
Um, but New Pile of Fear, I'm pretty sure that um, Pat and Reese are jockeying this one hard. Uh, if I if I'm not mistaken, so do they? Uh, uh, do they claim this one as a? They they I think they have claimed this one as as one of their picks. Oh. Um again, I haven't heard anything from it yet, but I'm excited to hear it. Unfortunately, it's not in stores and Best Buys around here, so I'll have to buy it online. But anyway, that's the real big one. Everything else I'm going to mention here, I got to listen to a track or two, and I was like, yeah, this is good. I might have to go back and listen to it, and I felt compelled to uh, include them all here. So. Um, Disquiet, The Condemnation, Eternal, Heaven's Gate, Exumer, The Raging Tides, Forndom, Daura, Dora, which is a hard one to pronounce, but that one's all acoustic. That was a pretty interesting one. Uh, Friedemann, Verhoren will muss schweigen. I got it right. Your German's yeah. getting better after, after die crops. I, 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 I probably missed an inflection. Um, Iron Jaw, uh, Iron Jawed Guru, Matahari, Lethus, Lethal Steel, Legion of the Night, Motus Tenebre, Death Rising, Nordic Union, self-titled, um, Av Trenoir, which I'm gonna guess is how it's pronounced, Eroded, uh, Prong, which I'm not sure if it came out this week or next week because it seems to have changed places on heavymetal.about.com because it seems to be coming out next week. Mm. Either way, Prong's coming out with an album. I think I think uh, on all the sites I read. Like Metal Injection and Metal Slugs, they always come out with like a shit that comes out this week. I think Prong was on both of those lists. Yeah. Uh, Resurrection Kings, which I think is that new band featuring Vinny Apathy. I think so. Yeah. Um, but I listened to a track from that and it was pretty good. Um, you had mentioned Serenity, uh, Tooth Grinder, Nocturnal Masquerade, and The Veer Union, Decade. So there was a lot of just really good stuff this week that I didn't get a chance to listen to. But I'm telling you right now, go check this stuff out. Just, you know, listen to a track or two. If it's up your alley, take a listen. Um, so that's it for new releases. Let's talk about what we've been listening to this week aside from these new releases. Well, I'll start off because i got a nice long list here again. Yeah, you do. Remember, I drive a lot. <laughs> I drive a lot, so I get I can get through like like three or four albums in a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I started off with Primal Fear, like I mentioned, um, Stradivarius, I listened to Even in Death, which was the band that we, the last band we saw last week when we before we left Retox. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob Zombie, the la- the last one. Oh my god, so good. Yeah, that was good. That, that was, was it, it, it. Reminded me of, of why I like him, yeah. and why I'm looking forward to the next one. Like Venomous Re- Regeneration Vendor is like just fun. It's a fun album. I love their cover of American Band. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. Like it, it, it's just kind of like what you want in a in an artist like Rob Zombie like you know he's kind of got that, that that macabre sound to him but this album is just fucking fun have y'all heard the new track I haven't listened to it yet no, no. I know, I know it got posted is it good I haven't checked it out yet I don't know if you guys have heard it I love oh. all the titles of the new, yeah. new tracks though yeah it's, yeah it's everyone's, everyone's fucking in a UFO yeah <laughs> that's great, great. Um, I also picked up or listened to Iced Earth uh, The Blessing of the Dam which is one of their one of their many uh, greatest hits records, mm-hmm. this one was good because it featured mostly Barlow, but also instead of like re-recording the the old songs with the with the new singer, it features the old singer mm-hmm. from from like Iced Earth, the the album Iced Earth. So that was that was pretty cool to hear the mixing of those songs. Um, listen to Dragon Force out of nowhere, is because I think the uh, Serenity. Uh, got me really fixed on some power metal this week, so I was just I, I had to listen to just about everything. You had to take it to an extreme. Yeah, well, because I'm not because I'm not done yet here. <laughs> all right, because I listened to the new Queensrÿche record. 
Okay. Of course, it listens to Nightmare World because we finally recorded the video for it this week. Yes, we did. Um, randomly listened to Huntress, the last Huntress record, because I was it was there. Um, listen to Blind Guardian. What? Listen to some Tarot. What? Listen to some Nightwish. What? Listen to some Thorn Industry. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, am I done yet? <laughs> uh, listen to some Therion, which is in the record player right now. And finally, I picked up the new Megadeth release, and that record is awesome. Oh, yeah. So good. Um, just a quick thing that, that, that I just thought of. Um, now, I know you haven't watched wrestling in years. No, no, I haven't. Do you watch wrestling at all? Okay. No. This is this is still going years back. Um, the later years of of uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. When oh, he, the, when the crowd would say what after? Yeah, we, yeah. that's kind of what I was getting a vibe yeah. from. Like a little bit of tarot. What? What? <laughs> that's the vibe I was getting right. There. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. So that that's what I was been li- I've been listening to, and it's been kind of epic. Just a, a yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a little bit. That now that I'm going to pick up the Dream Theater thing, I'm probably going to have to listen to a whole bunch of prog rock next week. So, oh, so yeah. much noodling! So much noodling! I think I'm going to be fucking done. That, 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 that should be that should be on the shirt, just like Shred Shack on the back. So, so much, much noodling! noodling. <laughs> you know, it's funny because then the week after that, just because I listened to so many notes, I'm going to have to go listen to Sun, just so yeah, just like they play like one for like, yeah. <laughs> for like five minutes. Set <laughs> a quarter for the week of five notes. <laughs> After about five million, I'll go to five. <laughs> so I've been listening to the new Amona Marth track on repeats for a while. Oh my um, god! When you brought it over to the gym the other day, we listened to it five times. We could, we could probably talk about it more in recording news, but yeah, it's fucking good. And I put that on a radio on my Spotify account, and it gave me some pretty good stuff too. So I've been listening to uh, Sabaton, uh, Careless Rex. I've been yeah. listening to. Uh, We'll see it. War Eternal from Arch Enemy, and a little bit of In Flames here and there. So that's me for the yeah. week. Not as epic, but still pretty good. No, when you put that station on it the other day, that was actually really good. Just waiting for her to move her face. Annabelle. Um, so I obviously listened to the Nightmare World album, so we can continue on in writing the review, which is going to be coming out in. As of time of posting this, five days. So I have a lot of work ahead of me. Yeah. Which I've already pushed back anything else on my channel. Yeah, I saw like, that. I, I saw like, that update. I was like, no, no, just not doing anything else. It's only this and this. Um, so I'm, I'm putting 100% into that. Um, aside from that, I listened to the new Megadeth album. Um, I listened to uh, Dream Theater, obviously. Some random... Soft point, I was listening to um, Kenny Loggins, Return oh. to Pooh Corner. Wow. Return to Pooh Corner? Yes. Which, wow. Which is a, an album from our childhood. Yes, it most certainly um, is. I know that like we got... In, it was brought into our family uh, during my first surgery, when I, when I was in heart surgery, when I was... Uh, was it even that late? I thought it was earlier yes, than that. because I'm pretty sure when we got into that, um, we got um, into that situation, my... Um, the person we shared a room with was a friend or somewhat related to us, and they they showed the album to to mom and dad, uh, and from there they picked it up. And I have my own copy of it now. And we, um, I think we have a copy of it for the kids. So yeah, and uh, you know, it's 
<laughs> it's Kenny Loggins. You you know, like he does a lot of like cheesy pop eighty stuff, whatever. Danger but, zone. Danger zone. <laughs> And Footloose, but, <laughs> and Footloose. <laughs> but it, it's it's just a nice soft album to listen to because it's a lot of, of lullabies and kids songs. So it, it's nice to kind of relax to. Yeah, definitely. Um, aside from that, this is random though. Yeah, it's because like I was going through my iPod, and I was like, hey, I don't feel like listening to anything loud right now. This is nice. You occasionally get those. Yeah, yeah, especially like in the mornings on the way to work, and I'm like, I don't want to hear anything loud. I don't, <laughs> want, any, I don't want somebody screaming at me. <laughs> Your patients scream at you enough, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, but I want to say right here and now that I finally picked up the Jessica EP, which came out two weeks ago. Um, been trying like hell to get it. Uh, went like their uh, they had their uh, EP release party a few weeks ago. I think they had something last weekend. Finally went to some uh, some birthday party show that they were playing this weekend and picked it up. Um, and holy crap, <laughs> it's amazing. Not surprising considering the fact that when we saw them live, we were like, yes, this band is amazing. Um, I wish that they had something released at this time, but... Is this their debut EP? I feel like they recorded a demo with some okay. of these tracks. This is actually their, their full-fledged EP. It's the thing they're going to push the living shit out of for uh-huh. the coming months. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty sure that Three, definitely three of the five full-length tracks on here we heard live. They may have played the other two as well, um, but it is f- fucking amazing. And I'm gonna go more into it in the top three, but that's been occupying my last day or so because it's you know, it's what 25 minutes or so, and it just kicks ass so nice. hard. So uh, you will definitely be hearing more about this band from us in our top three. And I'm also going to be contributing a track to the live show soon from cool. this band. Cool, awesome. Because it's just, it's it's too much talent to be kind of kept underground. Yeah, so, awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for our, uh, our new releases and what we listened to this week. So let's go on to general news. All right. Right off the bat, ACDC has backed a statue of late singer Bon Scott who died in 1980 at the age of 33. And the Bon Scott's Scottish hometown, uh, the town council received over 80 letters in support of the project. The statue is going to be 2.4 meters tall, that's a little under 8 feet, and will stand in one of the car parks in his hometown. The statue will be unveiled at the annual, this is something that happens every year, Bonfest in April. That's pretty awesome. Um, I just want to like, you know, technically Bon Scott was with the band for six years, mm-hmm. and he has that legacy. And he yeah. has he has a statue already built to him, I think, in Australia, which is of course where ACDC is from. Yeah. But this is actually in his Scottish hometown now, and like I said, they have an annual Bon Fest every April. So that's cool. Yeah. So this is that's pretty awesome. I, I, it's just it's just great that you know like, his. I feel like his voice has been pretty much unmatched since mm-hmm. since yeah. his death. Like, oh yeah, no, no one sounds like there's him. there's no. no there's no there's no comparing Bon Scott era ACDC to Brian Johnson. I mean, musically you can compare. Yeah, well, musically, <laughs> but vocally, vocally, I mean, they're two totally different guys, and no one has sounded like Bon Scott since Bon Scott. Uh, you know what irked me? Um, 
uh, and an ex-girlfriend of a friend of mine. I'm not going to start naming names here. Oh, thank God. Uh, but she was basically saying that she couldn't tell the difference between Bon Scott and, and Brian Johnson. Not saying that one is bad, like one is worse than the other. But she but couldn't I, tell the difference? She couldn't, she's like, she, like any track wow. she heard, she was all sounding the same to her. That's and, toned up to an extraordinary level. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, bitch. <laughs> You were, you just want to tell a story just so you can use yeah, that line. This is a long <laughs> no, setup. No, because it, it did it did irk me, and it still irks me to this day. Because I'll I'll listen to tracks on the radio, and I'm like, sounds nothing like him, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> I said, bitch. <laughs> you said that, huh? <laughs> you but said like, bitch. But like, if anybody has a chance to, um, just look at like some of the videos from uh, Plug Me In, the ACDC box set. It's like four DVDs. A lot of the stuff that that Bon Scott did on stage was fantastic. Like he was a great showman. Yeah. And it, it was, again, it, for for six years or so of music, maybe seven, it's a shame that he had to die. But for what he did in that time, fucking awesome. So. All right. Well, I'm sorry, Dan, but I'm mentioning this guy. These guys again. TMZ. Oh my god! Breaking You're, the moratorium okay. on the TMZ news. Uh, just, 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 just say the the headline, and then I'm going to respond. Okay. According to TMZ, Vince Neil is the first contestant to sign up for the next season of Celebrity Apprentice, which is now hosted by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Do you realize how many strikes are in that one sentence? <laughs> TMZ, Vince Neil, Celebrity Apprentice, and half of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, this is the shittiest headline that we've had in a while. <laughs> well, I just wore it in there because it had TMZ in it, and I know it would piss off Dan. It's some bullshit. <laughs> no, no, I, no, I think, no, no. I think no. <laughs> I'm not pulling up that clip. I think what bothers me more is the fact that it's TMZ reporting on fucking Vince Neil. Why should TMZ care about Vince Neil? Because TMZ cares about everybody. It's, if you're making an ass of yourself, TMZ cares. Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. Oh, anyway. and more! Yes. Like, <laughs> the way you wrote this is just like, you're just trying to troll Dan in other Neil news. What the fuck? <laughs> hey, you guys let me write the news, alright? <laughs> I didn't want to fuck with this guy. In other Neil news, <laughs> uh, he has hinted in a new interview that his solo band is working on new material with the possibility of road testing some of these songs on his current tour. So expect a whole lot of... <laughs> Remember I was talking about with Axl Rose, that ambulance on standby, oxygen tanks and everything? Yeah, it applies. Just, everything applies. Just, just get Vince Neil and Axl Rose on a tour together. Speaking of Guns N' Roses! God damn it! Oh, <laughs> Three in a row, baby. Yeah. All right. Uh, Guns N' Roses are offering what they're calling a quote-unquote signature VIP experience at their upcoming Las Vegas shows for upwards of $2,500. Now, here's a kicker. The package does not include a meet-and-greet opportunity with Axl Rose Slash and Duff McKagan. What it does include is one ticket in the first 10 rows, a signed, numbered, limited-edition tour poster, a photo on stage before the show, a backstage tour, pre-show cocktails, access to a VIP hospitality lounge, a dinner buffet, and drinks, prizes, private merchandise, shopping, and other quote-unquote perks. Now, wait, wait, before I get into this, 
it was brought up on Metal Sucks that they brought up the seating chart for this show. The rows don't start until after general admission. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. there's a general admissions area. So what you're, what you're really paying for is exactly what somebody else is paying for, but significantly less. Yeah. Which is still significantly higher because they actually process somebody's receipt from buying just regular tickets. It is upwards of like two tickets for upwards of like $1,000. This like just this sucks. Like I mean, <laughs> look getting, at this. Like he is so angry. What the fuck. Like <laughs> hold on. Let, let, let's break this down piece by piece. Oh, let's okay. not. Do, oh my gosh. Oh no, this is, no, this is good. Wow. I this would is... pay twenty five hundred dollars if just cancel this fucking tour. Like I can't stand this shit. Hold on, hold on. Let, 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 let's break this down all piece right, by piece. Right. First of all, <clears throat> signature VIP experience automatically title bad, stupid bullshit. Twenty five hundred dollars. Who has twenty five hundred dollars? Not me. What Guns N' Roses fan has twenty five hundred? <laughs> That's a very good point. That's what I've been trying to figure out. Now, the first thing you wrote here is the package does not include a meet and greet opportunity with Axl Rose slash Duff McKagan. What this sounds like is you get to suck them off through a glory hole, <laughs> and you just spent that money for that. But it does include one ticket in the first 10 rows. You already mentioned that. That's already shitty. Yeah. Because yeah. of the fucking... General GA. admission. Now, my my response was going to be, you get a seat in the first 10 rows of the GA area. So, you better hustle to the front. Yeah, exactly. That was my thought. Uh, sign numbered limited edition tour poster. I'm always cool with sign stuff. But and you're also not in twenty five hundred. Not twenty five hundred. Yeah, yeah. Um, give me a signed guitar. Photo on the stage before. Uh, photo on the stage before the show. Photoshop. <laughs> it's just like it's not even with the band. It's just like oh yeah, here on this fucking stage. That's you're gonna empty. end up taking like, like a picture like like the, the the. It's probably even before the stage is set up. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna be up there with a whole bunch of people rigging shit up and whatnot. It's, and yeah. I, I, the photo gets taken the day before. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> when someone like sticks his plane. <laughs> I love sticks. I'm just kidding. Um, Dennis the young, you you jealous bastard. (laughs) Dennis, you jealous douche. Um, Backstage tour, like, who cares? There's nothing special about backstage. Exactly. Unless there's the band Unless you're meeting the band backstage, there's nothing special about backstage. only way that you get the money back is you better drink a shit ton of pre-show cocktails and they suck probably, down they'll probably give you beer tickets no but this doesn't even be a part of the fucking package you're gonna do this anyways yeah like I would do this regardless if I bought this package or not yeah it's I, I, I hate this kind of shit. Yeah. Like when when a band does something like that, like they do like a VIP backstage thing and it's like 120 I'm still like whoa but $2,500 is like yeah, that's like two weeks worth of pay for some people. Maybe even a month's worth of pay for some people. That's, yeah, I mean, you pay him for that next Guns N' Roses a, album, fucker. Put a payment down on a car. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, and, and there's still more here. I mean, we got access to a VIP hospitality lounge, so you can be with the other schmucks who fucking bought this shit. <laughs> like the other two schmucks like, yeah, who could afford this. Revel in your stupidity for the whole show. Like a dinner buffet. I mean, you're gonna get the same shit you get at, like Golden Corral. Oh, fucking a. Yeah, not yeah. This was the silliest thing I read like all week. It's it's just wrong, you know. Yeah. Well, let's go on to something that's actually a little bit more upbeat here. Um, King Eight Ten. Um, I've seen them live. I wasn't a big fan of this. However, um, their hometown of Flint, Michigan, is currently undergoing a severe water crisis. 
Um, and they have partnered with Savage Village to create a t-shirt with 100% of the proceeds going to the Community Foundation of Greater Flint's... Uh, oh, this is actually the, the, the foundation name. It's called Flint Child Health and Development Fund. So... I don't know if anyone's been keeping up on the whole thing in Flint, Michigan, but if you've seen the pictures of the war they're getting out of the tap, it is this disgusting. It's like black and brown. It's horrible. So these guys are contributing whatever they make off of these t-shirts to that fund, and then a lot of other bands have actually been buying water and shipping out water and stuff like that. I think Pearl Jam's involved there, and a couple other bands have been involved trying to help out. Hey! All oh, shit. All the uh, cases of water that come from Pearl Jam say ban Ticketmaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. And here's one that was really interesting. I read this like from two different sources. Um, Philadelphia com- uh, Councilman Mark Sakia, whatever, whatever. He's taking the proper steps toward making all bands performing in the city register with the police. Now, this is Philadelphia. Uh, the proposed bill was introduced last week and will force venues to provide police with the names, addresses, and phone numbers of any performers performing in the city in what will be called special assembly, special assembly occupancy licenses. These licenses will be required for shows being held at venues that have a capacity of 50 or more people and will give law enforcement veto power over the shows, according to uh, BillyPen.com, which is, um, I'm guessing... A local uh, Pennsylvania webzine. Um, the councilman told the um, told the webzine via email, uh, giving performers uh, information to police when requested enables them to review past performances to see if there are any public safety issues during their events. Apparently, there is no specific thing that caused this. They're just doing it to um, promote safety. I can see the up and the down in this. Yeah, I can see that the the specific up in it is definitely previous performances, uh, especially a band like Guns N' Roses, where if their shows get canceled, people fucking riot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's also the unfair thing about bands like Behemoth or the extreme metal crowd, where they see what happens at these shows, even though there's no violence, but they might decide that just because of the type of people who go see these shows there will be stereotyping and there will be shows shut down because of that. That's where I think the danger lies. It's a matter of good intentions, but it's going to likely cause a lot more problems. Especially considering the fact that these are, these, they're saying these are licenses. Yeah. A lot of bands are probably going to be like, well, fuck it. That's a waste of time. Yeah, exactly. Fuck Philly. Yeah. It's especially because it's like, it's drawing the line at like the 50 or more like, yeah, so that means a lot of smaller any, bars might I mean, get yeah, vetoed and stuff. Any, like. any place that has 50 or more people occupancy, they have to get a license for. So, you know, unless you're playing a fucking house party, that means anywhere, really. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a, that seems to be a little, I don't know, it seems a little too like, much. It's excessive, yeah. It, it may be ultimately simpler than, than we're expecting here, but, I mean, it's, this is one of those things where I can't say much about it until something arises as a result of it. That's a fair point. Yeah. I mean, again, like we talked about, it sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Um, We'll just see what happens when it's actually put into practice. Yeah. If it gets put into practice, he's actually, he's just putting the steps forward right now. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. Right. 
I mean, so. this is probably Philadelphia looking at bands like Great White and being like, oh, hell not, nah, get out. Yeah, I mean, they're probably looking at instances like the Great White Fire, this thing that happened in Romania, mm-hmm. possible terror attacks, what happened in Paris. I mean, yeah. they're probably looking at all safety angles. Yeah, again, it's a matter of good intentions, but we got to see how this one plays yeah. out. Oh, that's it for journal news. It's pretty short this week. Yep. Now, uh, what's even shorter is recording news. Yeah, which is unfortunate, but there are some really good ones good in here. Stuff. The, the right off the bat, Amana Marth. Yes. They have announced that they will release a new album, Yom's Viking, on March 25th. I was wrong last night. I said the 11th, but it's March 25th via Metal Blade. Uh, the band has revealed that the album is a concept album, which tells a tragic tale of love and revenge. Count of Monte Cristo. Sorry, what? What? <laughs> what? It's what? more uh, along the lines of like it seems like Braveheart. Yeah, like yeah, it sounds like from what you were telling. Oh, so yeah. it's taking history and bastardizing it hardcore well, it's, because it's, Mel Gibson. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> fuck that. Uh, no, the, my favorite the, movie. Yeah. yeah, the the first track got released uh, I think like last week, right? Yeah, and it's called First Kill, and it's basically telling the story of this guy who, uh, like the Earl and his little king, like this wherever he's from is trying to take his wife away from him so he kills like the Earl's like right hand man and uh yeah he goes on a quest for vengeance basically is what it is it's really fucking good too I mean yeah. it's, it's you know what you expect from Mona, Mona Marth but somehow it's just more heavier more melodic than usually yeah, felt actually, like to me you yeah, know what I mean when, he, when they open it up I mean it was really really cool alright moving on Johnny Gioelli um we actually mentioned him last week because he's the vocalist of uh, Axel Rudy Pell and uh, Crush 40. He's also a member of Hardline. Uh, he is set to record his first career solo album with the international release scheduled for this summer through Frontiers Music. So it's not power metal and it's not related to Sonic the Hedgehog. No, it's not. <laughs> so we don't really know what to expect here. It'll probably be good, though, because he's, he's a pretty damn good vocalist. Yeah. All right. Crowbar is uh, entering OCD recording and production in uh, Louisiana on February 17th to begin recording the follow-up to 2014 Symmetry in Black. Uh, a summer release is expected, so that's something that's probably going to be in my top three over the summer because that last record was incredible. And that pretty much calls it for our recording news. Like we said, it was very short. Yeah, very and to the point this week. Which is fine, because I guess that means that every other band is out on tour or not inviting their drummers to play on their last shows. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about touring news. Touring news. The Texas Independence Fest will take place on April 9th at the Empire Control Room in Austin, Texas. The lineup is starting to take shape. It includes Despised Icon, Bury Your Dead, Unearth, Malevolent... Malevolent Creature, Ringworm, uh, Necrogoblicon, Psycho Stick, Sworn Enemy, Culture Kill, and more. I would love to see that. That sounds like a very Necrogoblicon. They're they're pretty crazy. I'd like to see them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The New England Metal, uh, New England Metal and Hardcore Festival, which has been running for 17 years straight, had no announcement um, earlier this week that they were going to be continuing on. Um, and then also going into that was the fact that founder and organizer Scott Lee moved out west. So everyone was kind of wondering whether it was going to be happening or not. But those rumors were put to rest this week when Killswitch Engaged announced that they would be playing the show April 16th at Worcestershire. Or Wor- Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Fuck, fucking mass hole. Anyway. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't even pronounce American words, let alone the fucking uh, European shit I've been trying to pronounce this. I think you got it right. It's Worcester, Massachusetts. Worcester, Massachusetts. Anyway, um, they posted, uh, Killswitch Engage posted on their bands in town and Twitter accounts that they were playing the show. Both those, both of those posts, posts were deleted, but then on Tuesday, organizers confirmed the festival is on and the initial lineup is being announced. Uh, I didn't write any of the bands right now besides Killswitch Engage. I will put up a full report later on when the whole list is confirmed. So, I am pretty sure that Pat will be attending that show. Yeah, I, or, I saw that some some part of that show. All right. This next one is uh, another like visa issue. Cradle of Filth's tour with uh, Butcher Babies and they they Oblivious Scar- Scaris. You actually got this me to say this before. Um, it was supposed to start on January twenty sixth, but Cradle of Filth announced that due to visa issues, the first four dates of the tour will have to be canceled. They uh, Oblivious Scaris have announced headlining shows in place of those canceled gigs, but they played at different venues. So. That's unfortunate. And another visa issue, because last week we uh, were talking about the ocean not being able to do the um, the tour that they were on with Intronaut. I, I wonder what they mean by visa issues. Like, what's usually the problem here? That they haven't gotten them yet. Oh. They yeah, can't they come into the country without they, the visas. They apply too late or something. Gotcha. Or they just take too long to get yeah. or something like that. So... Okay, moving on. Deftones will be having a short tour in Texas with support coming from a cult leader in March with a total of five dates scheduled in Mission, Dallas, Houston, Lubbock, and San Antonio on uh, March 19th at the Lone Star Event Center. This show sold out fast. I mean, it's already went on sale. I didn't even know that. Yeah, San Antonio is like a massive like tool and Deftones city. That's because did they play the uh, the Rockfest? I want City Rockfest. Not Deftones. No, not not last year. Uh, They play. I think they played something recently within the last two years here, and it was a big. uh, I might be wrong. They let me Uh, down. But the rumors are floating around that they are also going to be playing South by Southwest in Austin around the same time. So because there's a. They're they're playing these dates within like a couple of days of each other. And there's like a little bit of a gap there, like a two day gap where South by Southwest is scheduled. So that's where those rumors are coming from. Continuing on with um, following, yeah, wow. All right. Anyway, Amano Marth will be touring North America behind their new release with Entombed AD, and there's the San Antonio date here, April the thirteenth. And where is that one again? Aztec Theater. Aztec Theater. That was through uh, Loudwire. Okay. That's where I saw that. Is this where I cued the everybody shut up, I have a direction clip? Yes. yes. <laughs> we said that simultaneously. That was pretty good. <laughs> All right, moving on. Slipknot's annual Knot Fest will return to Mexico next year. Uh, the festival will be held October 15th and 16th with a lot more details to come. And there's no word yet on another U.S. edition. So if you're in Mexico, enjoy Slipknot. Here we go. Here's something I want to see so bad, but they're not coming to Texas. Seven Dust and Trivium are touring together this April. I would see that show. I would see that show. So much. I would love both those bands, and both those bands playing together is just a fucking incredible show. Yeah, I, I would definitely want to. After, after seeing Seven Dust like, years ago, and then seeing that acoustic show they did a couple years ago, like, like even forget Trivium. Like, I like Trivium, but like Seven Dust still got it great show 
Yeah, I, I can't deny that because the last time I saw Seven Dust, it was it was awesome. I think that was at Irving Plaza too. It was. Oh, that was a long time ago. You haven't been in the New York area in a while. Well, I haven't. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was my first start dating Rachel. So we're talking like 2008. All right. Anyway, Iggy Pop will be touring with Josh Holm to support their new album that we uh, mentioned last week. It's starting in late March and going all the way through May. I'm bummed because they're not coming anywhere near here, and I would want to see that show. Yeah, that would be an interesting show to see. <clears throat> that's 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 a show that like I haven't heard any of the material that they're doing, but on principle, I want to see this. Show. I think they're doing like the stuff from the album, and they're also doing some of the, like Iggy's like classic stuff too. On principle, I want to see yeah. this show. <laughs> yeah, because it's pretty much like if you think about it, it's like it's like uh, Queens of Stone Age backing Iggy Pop, which is pretty awesome. I, I I've I've had the uh, I've had the opportunity to see. Iggy and the Stooges. Oh, really? Yeah, years ago. Wow. When, when they played, when they played uh, Jones Beach. <laughs> so, I would like to go see this. Well, Twisted Sister is not quite done yet, despite the fact that they played a bunch of farewell shows as well. Uh, they will be performing at the first annual Vegas Rocks Hair Metal Awards. Oh, fuck. Yep. Set to take place Sunday, May 15th at Casablanca Event Center at Eastside Can- uh, Canary... Canary? Canary. Canary. Uh, casino. There will be performances with honorees and participants, including a special all-star celebrity jam for the finale of the show. What? what? How's this a thing? Like, why would <laughs> this, this even be thing? fucking relevant right now? I don't Again, understand. I, it's I, Vegas. <laughs> I, I love Twisted Sister. Um, but, guys, you said you were done. And my initial thought was like, well, who's drumming for them? But all the pictures that they're showing of the, like, at least of the band leading up to the event, Mike Pornoy. (laughs) (laughs) No, because he he filled in for their final shows, so he's the only logical explanation, I guess. That that is a lie. That is photoshopped in there. (laughs) No, whenever there's a vacant drummer spot, it's going to be Mike Pornoy to fill it. So he's playing for Amada Marth now. Yeah, that's (laughs) determined. You know that Mike Pornoy is currently watching Blabbermouth like, oh man, Black Sabbath. (laughs) You need some of the MP. <laughs> he's just checking. He's just going through his he's, bucket, yeah. list of, bucket list of bands he hasn't played in yet. I'm just <laughs> come on. I'm just imagining like anytime there's a band that has like that making drummer spot, like doorbell rings. He's got a fucking business. <laughs> 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 like, Let me yes. tell you about the Portnoy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Business suit and everything with a green beard. <laughs> Let me read from you. Read for you a book from the book of Portnoy. <laughs> A rat a tat tat dead ass. <laughs> oh my gosh, this hurts. All right, this week in there's still a thing. Um, Filter is releasing a new album on April 18th entitled Crazy Eyes, and they will have a tour going on. Um, this actually tour is called Make America Hate Again. That's the and dumbest title ever. They're going around with Orgy, Vampires Everywhere, and Death Valley High. So it's a double, they're still a thing. Exactly. And they, uh, they're they actually coming to San Antonio May 11th at the Aztec. I, I We saw a filter open up for uh, some little pilots. Some little pilots. Uh, uh, at the one show that we ever walked out of. Yeah. And um, that was not good. No. Um, no. Yeah. Number Sorry. one is like, Make America Hate Again. And they're going to sing a song about taking pictures. 
No, first of all, <laughs> make America hate again. Like that's a joke, right? It's a pun, right? It's, it's yeah. funny, right? No, right? <laughs> like you're, yeah. you're you're doing a very subtle statement, right? Nah. Yeah, that's dumb. So anyway, and there's still a thing. The, the sequel, sequel. Revenge. <laughs> with, <Avengers. laughs> with Avengers. The Holy Union shit. Underground will reunite in 2016 with a new EP planned. Details on the band's current lineup are being kept under wraps, but a song entitled uh, False Caterpillars will be previewed on March 4th. For those of you who actually knew the previous lineup, good for you. I'm actually surprised. I, I actually, I think I under, missed the, I think I mistakenly put this under touring where it should have been under recording because this is about an EP and not about a tour. Yeah. Um, I will say one thing though, Union Underground, um, I had never heard any of their songs on the radio until I came down here and yes. they played it on Kiss FM. I think uh, one of the members is from here, right? I think I, so, yeah. I think so. As a matter of fact, I think he's a born-again Christian because I, I want to say, I want to say that um, my wife's cousin goes went to a church and they have like a lot of the churches down here have bands and whatnot, and apparently the drummer of this particular church band was the drummer from Union Underground. Okay, I, I want to sure. say that. I want to say that as I'm, long as it doesn't interfere with things. Yeah, I, I have no problem with Union Underground. I actually like their stuff when I heard it, so this would be interesting. So um, I'll keep an eye on this one. Yeah. Um, final bit of uh, touring news: the Sword is just not leaving the fucking road, and they're bringing back. Royal Thunder, who's just not leaving the fucking road, and a band called Person. This is P-U-R-S-O-N. Um, they're going to be doing a spring tour. Royal Thunder will appear on the first leg of the tour, with Person replacing them on the second half of the tour. Uh, there's still more dates to come, apparently, but there's no Texas dates right now. Okay. So, well, hey, But, I mean, Royal Thunder just played their second San Antonio date in, like, three months. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if they're not coming back, I'm not surprised. Yeah. And if they do come back, it's worth checking out. Uh, if honestly. they do come back this time, I will most certainly catch them. Uh, yeah, obviously not that worth checking out, since you guys didn't go. Well, well, you're a dick. He caught them already. I caught them, and I've seen Black Tusk before. I mean, I, I was sad that I didn't get to see the new stuff, but... Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was, that was it for all... News. So, all the actual news is done, but we're going to talk about some uh, some charting news, which um, is kind of reminiscent of last week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <sighs> I specifically wrote this. Oh, he's ready for it. He yep, knows it's coming. He, yep. <laughs> uh, I just specifically wrote a note here that it's another week light in metal, but there are updates on the influential foundation of rock following the most recent deaths. Um, I'm also looking forward to see where Megadeth lands on the charts because I think they were projected to sell thirty to 40,000 copies of their record this week. That's good. So uh, I'm looking, hopefully, for number one. Uh, but let's go right into uh, the David Bowie update. Black Star, it is down to number four after its number one debut last week. That's still kind of awesome. Yes, it is. Yeah. Like, even despite his death and everyone like would have possibly rushed out and bought it, Like he's still at number four. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the best of Bowie is down to seven from four. Okay. I mean, still up there. Nothing has changed up from sixty-eight to sixty-three. Ziggy Stardust down from twenty-one to seventy. The next day at one forty-nine from one fifty-one, and Hunky Dory at one fifty-seven from fifty-seven. Um, last week we reported that uh, the Eagles' Glenn Frey died. So just like any other member of a classic rock band. These numbers start to reflect that in the charts. Um, Eagles' greatest hits from 1971 to 1975 up big. This is usually their one that's on the charts all the time. Uh, from 11 to 113, 
I mean, I'm sorry, from 113 to 11. Um, the very best of the Eagles at number 28. There is a uh, new Glenn Fry um, solo collection. That album debuts at number 82. Hell seems f- convenient. Right. <laughs> Hell freezes over at 95. Uh, Greatest Hits Volume 2 at 112 and Hotel California rounding it out at 171. Is Greatest Hits Volume 2 the one that is like one of the highest selling albums of all time? No, I think that would be the Greatest Hits one because the Greatest Hits because it was at 113 the week before that's the one that's always on the charts. I think Greatest Hits um, 71 to 75 was the double double disc that they released a few years ago. I think Uh. that one came out when I was working at at Tower. Uh. I think Greatest Hits Volume 1 or 2 is the one that sold like 25 million. Yeah. I, don't I really don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Beatles update. They actually lost a couple. Um, they're only down to two albums on the charts here. We have the one, which is their greatest hits, down again uh, from 37 down to 56. And Abbey Road still there at 183 down from 110. Uh, Disturbed Immortalized down just a little bit to 66 from 53. Still good. Metallica. This is their update. Black Album down to 88 from 63. Puppets is at 190 from 168. And Justice is at 199 from 154. Uh, Nevermind down to 91 from 75. Here's my Straight Out of Nowhere instead of Straight Out of Compton. Um, Green Day Dookie at 98. Wow. Fuck. Wow. Right? That's intense. Sublime, Sublime at 124. Wow. That could very well just be from 995 Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm getting ready. I'm going to back away from the mic for this one. Ready? Five Finger Death Punch. Cut your six! God damn it. <laughs> Down again to 128 from 107. So, Pete. 72 more. 72 more. Fucking numbers. 72 bro. more. And then something's going to happen. They're going to end up right back on the charts. Right? It's just going to be Dan buying like a million <laughs> Dan's just streaming the one song over and over again to keep him on the charts. <laughs> and, of course, ACDC Black in Black is at 186 down from 108. That rounds out Metal in the Charts. So, not too much metal this week, as as seems to be the case in the last few weeks. Um, I like the fact, though, that, like David Bowie entered the charts because of his death, and he's still there. It's he's still and he's strong holding strong at number four because yeah. the number one CD that 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 took his place this week was Panic at the Disco, and apparently that went platinum immediately. Huh. Panic and, at the Disco is still a thing. That's, that are very much a thing because if you're scrolling through, if you're scrolling through the charts, because they're number one with a new album, they have like four or five more albums on the charts because of that. Simply, so it's crazy. But they're not that good. Well, apparently we're not thirteen year old girls. Yeah, I was so. also wondering too. Like, what about Motorhead? Like, Motorhead, no. Wow. I mean, they were they had that that one peak after Lemmy died. That one uh, track, uh, they ripped up all like the hard rock track uh, charts. Um, but they didn't really sh- reflect too much onto the top 100 huh, okay. as much as like David Bowie and um, Glenn Frey has. Yeah, I mean, the Glenn Frey thing was expected, but the fact that David Bowie is still going very strong, yeah. that's, that's great to see. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, also considering the fact that his catalog is ridiculously expansive. Yeah, yeah. Which, like, I wasn't, when I first did the chart last week, I, the week after his death, I wasn't expecting to see that many records on it. And some of them, like, that I, you know, obviously I'm not 
huge into his catalog. So just some here like here are some of the names I expected some of them. Ziggy Stardust, Hunky Dory, Let's Dance, but some of the other ones that are still on the charts and I know nothing about, so yeah. it's like wow. Well, I feel like some of the other stuff that, that might be on here still, because um, Black Star is the new album. Yep. Which is that's cool that it's still at number. It's it's above the rest. Yeah. That's still cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but Best of Bowie, you can expect. Um, surprises me is that the next day is up there, because that was his last studio album. Prior to Black Star. Prior to Black Star, that was oh. his previous studio album, and like. That beating out any sort of best of or any of his quote unquote classic material, that's that's different. And nothing has changed. I'm gonna guess is it kinda sounds like a title of a best of. Well, I think I'm gonna say that um that we don't know how these numbers came about. They don't break it down specifically. So what I'm what I've noticed in some of the streaming um services is that when it's like a classic band like David Bowie, like they do, like the greatest hits ones, yeah. and then they do the most recent ones the most. Yeah. You know, so you have like the greatest hits ones, and then if they release an album in the last two or three years, they'll play the shit out of those songs. So, that, so if anyone's listening to David Bowie radio on Pandora, you're gonna get some classic tracks, and you're probably gonna get a couple more of the newer tracks. I need to pick up some of his catalog because, like, a lot of the stuff, like as expected with um, an artist like him, the latter day stuff that people are kind of indifferent to comes up used a lot more than mm-hmm. the classic mm-hmm. stuff. So I have a lot of, like, 90s, 2000s David Bowie. I need to pick up some other stuff and actually like, be willing to shill out some cash. Well, I have to say that just... I bought one of his albums used, and that was Aladdin Zane. It's the other one we listened to at right, the, right. the gym the other day. Mm-hmm. And that is a ridiculously good album. I love that record. It's so good. It's, it's just so... He was just so eclectic in his style of music throughout his entire career that you can probably pick it up his catalog at any point and it won't sound like anything from a previous or further point in his career. Just that that varied and awesome. And with that, we're going to close out our heavy metal in the charts, which is mostly a discussion about things that are not heavy metal that are in the charts. Uh, and we're going to move right along to social media highlight, and we are going to oblige Pete with his massive boner over there for this current band. All right, cool. Yeah, because I really I didn't write anything down for this band. I'm just going to kind of read their Facebook page. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, so we've been talking about retro rock, pretty much like this kind of sludge, stoner, metal kind of stuff. And I found this band on Twitter, and this is Electric Parlor. We traveled across the land. Initial uh, first release last summer, um, and they're out, they're out of California, LA, California, and these guys. I mean, it's just it's retro rock at its finest. Honestly, it's really good stuff. Um, the way that they've been recorded, that this album's recorded, it really sounds like you'd find them like in some tiny little bar somewhere, playing in a corner, but just playing their fucking hearts out. You know, um, this is definitely that kind of retro rock uh, for whiskey fiends, honestly. 
Whiskey Fiends? Whiskey Fiends. Uh, they have a couple of songs uh, to that effect. Um, in terms of like influences, you definitely hear like Black Sabbath. You hear a little bit of Heart. Um, and even Santana, too, and some of the guitar, uh, guitar solos and things like that. Um, I think probably one of the most impressive things about this band is female-fronted. Uh, the, the singer's name is Monique Alvarez, and she has just this incredible voice. Um, it's it's to me, I, I really enjoyed it. I think some people might be a little bit divided on it because there's a certain kind of raw quality to it. Um, it almost sounds like they recorded this album after she had already been kind of singing her lungs out at a show. At times, it seems to kind of break um, or crack even, but I don't think that it sounds bad. I think like as metalheads, it's something that we could actually appreciate. It just like I said, it gives it that kind of gritty quality that's just really, really powerful. Like I said, the, the and it's not always like that. Either. It's not always that kind of intense vocal kind of presence either. Um, I think it's best showcased on a track like Bitter. Um, but then there's also another track called Hazy Daisy off that album where her voice is much more sultry. So there's a lot of really great contrast throughout the album. And she obviously has a really great vocal range. Um, the Musically, they kind of alternates between sort of bluesy to sort of classic rock and roll but it's always got that really great kind of retro rock sound. Um, you know, and we've just been talking, like, this is a really great time for this kind of music. You know, it's like we have Sabbath, who ostensibly is kind of going out the door, but there's all these bands who are there to kind of pick up the sound, right? And they're doing that sound justice. Um, and Electric Parlor is no exception here. You can find them on Twitter at Electric Parlor. You can also find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash electric parlor and at their website, uh, electricparlormusic.com, where you can actually stream some of their songs. Nice. I'm definitely going to look into that. Sounds awesome. Um, I'm going to just go with a band here that followed me this morning on Twitter um, Anna Vey. I'm hoping you're pronouncing it right. Uh, it's A-N-A-V-A-E. So I think it's Anna Um They're actually an alternative rock band from London. Again, I'm reading off of their Facebook page here. Um, I listened to their... They have uh, some stuff streaming on uh, Bandcamp. And it was pretty good alternative rock. I mean, really, it, there's nothing heavy, really heavy about it. But if you're a fan of, like... Of like a milder version of Hailstorm, you know, Hailstorm tries to be a little bit heavier, a little bit more, like in your face. This one takes it back a notch. Where would you put it in the the midst of like '90s alternative rock? Who would you compare it to? I would probably be. I would probably compare it to like maybe like if Atlantis Morissette 
fronted um, an alternative rock band. Like, if her, it wasn't her band, it was like, I don't know. Maybe if they fronted, if she fronted like Bush or something like that. Okay. Because it is a female singer. Um, and it's, like I said, I have to listen to it again. Um, but I actually did kind of enjoy it as background music at first. So putting my headphones on later tonight and sitting down and listening to it, I probably will enjoy it. And their stuff is available on Bandcamp for Name Your Price, uh, which is cool. So I'll probably be downloading some of their stuff tonight just to um, get a feel for it. Uh, but if you're looking into something that's a little bit uh, step back from your heaviness, a little more alternative rock with a female vocalist, clean all all clean vocals. Uh, you can check them out uh, at uh, anave.bandcamp.com. Again, that's a n a v a e .bandcamp.com. They're also on Twitter at. Oh come on, you son of a bitch! I got so many tabs opened up here at anave music, and I'm not sure if they're on Instagram. Um, but just check them out those two places right now and um, you'll be able to check out their tunes. Okay. I do not have a social media highlight. Big surprise. Yeah, we'll just leave that to us. But I did pick <laughs> out this week's discussion. Yes, you did. Which does go into familiar territory. Um, so anybody who is a, is a watcher of, of random YouTube-ness may have come across WatchMojo.com. Um, they do a whole fuck ton of top ten lists. I think at least four or five a day. Um, I love watching their stuff. Lindsay and I will just kind of sit around and you know eat our dinner and watch the top ten lists that they release. Um, and a lot of times they're pretty on point. Um, but this one that they just released a couple of days ago, we feel is is worth our discussion. It is titled "The Top Ten Important Albums in Metal History." Now, when we post this, um, when we post the link to this podcast, we will be posting up the link to the actual video, so you can watch it yourself and see what they say. Uh, but for right now, we're going to go through this as they uh, as they went through it themselves. Uh, and number ten on their list is Ace of Spades by Motorhead. Yeah, hell yeah. Okay. Now we're going to say this is the most important albums in heavy metal history. Not necessarily the bands. The bands in question, best albums, or anything to that effect. This is about most important. It came out at a great time and did something important for heavy metal. And these are ranked, right? You said that was number 10? So that yeah. was number 10. Okay, interesting. Yes. I'm curious uh, to see it, what the rest of Yeah, I was going to say, it's interesting considering what happens later. Did you... I did not, so I'm going this okay, completely so you're, genuine. You're going this, you're going yeah. this alone, okay. Um, so Ace of Spades, Motorhead. Um, the list does mention that this is the band's... Oh, that's a, that's a mosquito in the room. Um... This is the band's fourth album, but the first one that they released in the U.S. Um, pretty much a lot of raw power. Um, they say it's influential as far as getting uh, a lot of thrash metal and speed metal right. started. I mean, so, and I don't know what other albums are on here, like I said, but I would say that you could have essentially picked just about any. Well, maybe not any, but definitely like any of those early albums, 
Right. Bomber because, overkill. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I would even like, yeah, their self-titled first release is like, I mean, you can, like we talked about this before, you yeah. can hear like the birth of thrash metal and like virtually like all metal genres in those albums. I think they're also, they, they mentioned this as important because it was their breakthrough in America. Right. It's the first right. one that came out in America. Yeah, it, it was probably at the time their most commercially successful, even just beyond America. Yeah, because then like, like we said, because it because this is the album that broke them in America, they introduced all those young American fans to them, mm-hmm. which ultimately created thrash metal. Yeah, yep. I mean, James Hetfield heard it and created Metallica because yep. of fucking Motorhead and Ace of Spades. Yeah, so so not even just saying that because Lemmy passed away, but like Motorhead did have a very lasting effect. Although they don't, they don't, they never. He never considered himself a metal guy. He's, we play no. fucking rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. so I love it. So we, are, we are Motorhead and we play rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Ace of Spades was uh, number 10. We're going to go right into number 9. British Steel, Judas Priest. Again, we we have to emphasize that these are the most important albums in heavy metal history, not, not necessarily the, the band's best. 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 Yeah. Because when you, Chris, you were watching this last night, you were like, I would have given this to Screaming for Vengeance. Yeah. Um, they mentioned in the video... Painkiller. Yep. Yeah. Um, so these are albums that the band has released that are pivotal to their career, but British Steel was the was the breakthrough album. Yeah, it was. So okay. So again, it's considered the important one. Um, even stuff that came out before then, uh, Sad Wings of Destiny. Oh yeah. Fantastic. God, it's album. Such an underrated album. Yeah. So the the again, it's it's a matter of. Everything around it is great, but right. this is the thing that said, like, let's, let's, you know. Like, trying to introduce them to a world, almost. Yeah, because they, cause they, they did kind of, they get kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, soften their sound for this. It, it, it is well, they, very that, radio-friendly. Yeah, they, that's what popular. they kind of mentioned in the video, too. Like, yeah. you got um, Living After Midnight, United, yeah. um, even Breaking the Law. Yeah, with, is it's a heavy metal track, but it's still a lot more accessible than mm-hmm. some of the other tracks that they have. Yeah, this that that's I think that's the key word for this album in particular. It's accessible um, because the album that you mentioned before, "Screaming for Vengeance," they kind of kick it back up and they make themselves a little bit less accessible, and they make themselves a little bit more towards what metal. Is, and they go yeah. even further with, with Painkiller. That's yeah. like a speed yeah. metal that's album, a, yeah. and that's one of my favorites. That is, I mean, that's. I, mean, I think. I think. In that in uh, painkiller, the drummer started doing a double bass beat, and he hasn't stopped. Well, well, that's because, <laughs> because that, that was Scott Travis's first album. Oh my which god! Which is a damn shame because he came in on painkiller, and then they went on that seven-year hiatus. Oh, and then came back with um, with the first album with Ripper. I can't remember Dem- the title. Demolition or no, Jugulator. Jugulator. Um, thankfully, he's been with the band since then. Yeah, because that 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 double bass sound has been a signature of their last couple records. Yeah, yeah. But um, but British Steel was definitely very pivotal in in getting the band a lot of recognition beyond um, what they already had prior. Yeah. To that. So we for this discussion, we're just going to talk about the order as it comes up. Where we're going to later on talk about like where we, we where would we put these albums as we get further into the list. If you think that they don't belong as high or even belong on a list just make mention of it alright cool cool um next one Cowboys from Hell Pantera number 8 there's a lot of well, a lot of thinking going on around here well cause the, the I mean watching cause I did watch the video and the, a lot of the reasons behind putting this album on there was very true it 
introduced Pantera to the world as a new form of, mm. let's say, um, metal. Because mm-hmm. they weren't quite thrash. They were coming out of their glam phase. Right. Um, but but they were harder edge. I mean, they but they also just still had something different about it. They had a little bit of groove to them that was not present in metal at the time. Um, there's a little bit more of a southern feel to them because yeah. they are f- all from Texas or in the southern region. Um, and it really just really did introduce the band uh, to the world, especially Dimebag Daryl. Yeah. And they mentioned specifically the, the Art of Shredding and they mentioned Cemetery Gates as two of the pivotal tracks yeah. on that record. And I can see that just because, like you were saying, that was like a very sort of pivotal time for just metal in general, yeah. like where everything was. And they they kind of... St- Steered it into that. Uh, like we're talking heavy, like eighty nine, yeah. ninety, yeah. like right at the end of hair metal. That was like, wasn't that black album too? That like, was ninety one. Okay, that was ninety one because then Vulgar Display of Power came out around the same time that's, as Black Album. That's ninety one, ninety two. So um, they mentioned, of course, Vulgar Display of Power is the more commercially successful, the more su- the superior album production wise and whatnot. But Cowboys from Hell was the one that said. We are fucking Pantera. We're here to right. rip your face off, and you know, get ready for it. Pretty much. That's what I find about a, a lot of these lists. Um, you know, not even just this one, but um, a, a few that I've seen in the past, especially that that top five hundred metal albums of all time thing. Um, the album that you would expect from these bands ends up being higher on the list. So, mm-hmm. so band, so albums like Master Puppets, um, Vulgar Display of Power, uh, Power Slave, stuff like that. These these ones or number of the beast these end up being higher on the list but there's always a lot of credit being given to um the ones that came before it like cowboys from hell Mm -hmm. um in reference to the other bands we'll talk about like peace of mind and ride the lightning These, these albums that are still kind of feeling their way through the dark and it's that kind of uncertainty that makes it magical and this Cowboys from Hell is the the point between their glam metal phase and their we're gonna kick you in the fucking face phase. And I I feel like it's I think Cowboys from Hell is one of the band's most accessible albums. Again, we're talking about accessible here, and I feel like it's before they got really really heavy into their sound. I I, I was gonna say I was gonna actually mention that actually on this list for important records I think I would have put. Far Beyond Driven. Only it's, because at the time it came out, a lot of metal bands were trying to find that... They're trying to make their Black Album. Black Album was huge. Every Other bands in the genre were trying to make that album. Pantera said, fuck that. We're going to get heavier. And they debuted at number one. But also with that, that came out in 94, which is when everybody was trying to adopt uh, top grunge, grunge yeah. in kind of what became the latter days of grunge. And Pantera did not follow. Yeah. So. And, yeah. And they and it was yeah and around the same time we also had the first in, um, incarnation of like new metal with Corn mm-hmm. bursting out of the scene like 95, 96, no, 95. Still, still, still ninety four. Yeah, 94 actually you're right, ninety four. Yeah. So, I think Pantera's Far Beyond Driven is probably a far more important record because yeah. they they stuck to their guns. Mm-hmm. They went heavier. They went more extreme. And they really represented what American metal was at the time. I think it just depends, like how they're trying to define importance here. Because if it's like you said, like we're like yes, that album is when Pantera defined themselves for sure. But yeah, I agree with you, Chris, in that 
in terms of like keeping metal alive in that sense and during a time that was like pretty bad for metal you know like that's really to me more important yeah you know for for a band that was in more of the public light um them coming out with far beyond driven was a pretty ballsy move yeah and it was kind of, and I, again, that was pretty important considering the fact that a lot of, of bands who were considered metal previously were going the grunge route. And uh, to tell you the truth, Far Beyond Driven was the first Pantera record I heard. Yeah. And it blew me away, and it still does to this day. Although I, I know every single word to Vulgar Display of Power, it's still one of the things I like to listen to. Yeah. I still go back and listen to Cowboys from Hell, especially for the one two punch of Domination and going into Cemetery Gates. But Vulgar, but, um, Far Beyond Driven is just a motherfucker yeah. and it deserves so much more credit than it gets I think so yeah that's that's what I thought of that one <laughs> <laughs> we got off on a Pantera yeah. no, no, no because, because that, that's, that's good because we, yeah. even, we even went beyond what the list said yeah, yeah. so that's, that's what we're looking for here um, let's go on to the next one which is number seven High and Dry by Def Leppard. Oh, what? No. Now their their reasoning was was a okay, if I do recall it right. It was basically a commercialization of a lot of what like eighties rock and metal was, um, and they also kind of refined their their sound on Pyromania and albums to come. Part of the problem is that Def Leppard is not that great. No. No, yeah. they're not. And I mean, they had a couple of good songs in the album, but to put it at number seven of all of most important albums in metal, yeah, no, no. yeah, there, there's that a couple things you can, you can pick. Like, that's gonna be replaced. On that's gonna be replaced by, by yeah. That's yeah. just I think that's just a poor pick on their end. Yeah, I, again, it's we we I don't think any of us have heard the album. We can't actually. You probably heard more than half the album because a lot of the songs that they played in the clips here from that album. Bring it on the heartbreak. And yeah, they, you've heard those songs and yeah. they're okay. Yeah. They're not important no. to metal. All right. But they may have been important um, in the 80s when a lot of uh, metal was breaking through. Maybe. For all, for I don't all, know. For all we know, this could have been like part of the reason uh, why <laughs> Number of the Beast became a big deal in America, aside from the religious imagery. I don't know. Again, this is me speculating. I don't know the album, but if they're going to put it on there, there must be some sort of reason that we're just not getting. But maybe there's a reason we're not getting it. Yeah. Well. So, I, I, I mean, again, I, I like Def Leppard to an extent. So, um, Next album, number six, is um, Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses. Let's talk about Guns N' Roses. <laughs> I don't know if you heard the collective sigh on this yeah. side. Guns N' Roses is not a metal band. I hate to say it. They're a rock and roll band. I'm sorry, actually, no, that's 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 wrong. Guns oh. N' Roses was not number six. They were they were when they were mentioning Def Leppard, they were saying that Def Leppard was pivotal to Guns N' Roses becoming popular. Oh, okay, good. Oh, okay. good. I was like, yeah, no. no okay, yeah. good. So, Let's forget because, talking about this list. Oh, I'm sorry. Number six. <laughs> Was Rust in Peace by Megadeth? Oh, so much better, dude. Yes, <laughs> yeah. sorry about that. Yes, so much better. Number six is Rust in Peace by Megadeth, which all the points that made her in the video are correct. It is the band's technical album. 
It most, is so technical. It is, it is the most so technical good. album. Um, it is also the first album that Megadeth did, or at least Dave Mustaine did, while completely sober. Um, and it, it's it's exactly what it needed to be at the right time. And, and again, Megadeth was going neck and neck with Metallica for a while, and this was just after um, and just for all. So no, went, was it? It's nineteen eighty six, wasn't it? No, Rust in Peace was nineteen ninety. Rust in Peace is nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. We sure about that? Yeah. No, because 1985, Killing of My Business. Nineteen eighty six, Peace Cells. Nineteen eighty eight. Um, so far, so good. So what? Nineteen ninety, Rust in Peace. If anything, nineteen eighty nine. Rust in Peace was 1990. You're right. Yes. My so bad. Rust in Peace was 1990, just after And Justice for All, which was 1989. Huh. Um, oh, but, that's... Oh, it's... All right. Because I'm, I'm thinking about the, the collective albums that came out in 86 as, the, like, the big four. And yeah. that and it was Peace Cells. I thought it was Rust in Peace. My no, bad. No, so it was Peace Cells. But this kind of goes into the same vein as um, um, Cowboys from Hell. It's released the same year but this is the band's shining achievement like before and after. It's actually one that I'm, I'm a little less familiar with. You know but... what? Um, I know a lot of the tracks on it, especially like Hangar 18, yeah. uh, Holy Wars, Take No Prison. Actually, Jesus Christ, this one is like the, 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 the best album ever. <laughs> Tornado of Souls. Tornado of Souls, uh, Rust in Peace Polaris, yeah. This is a really good album. I mean, the only thing, is, the only thing for me is that um, the the two albums by Megadeth that I am most familiar with and I I I personally find the best are Countdown to Extinction and Euthanasia, mm-hmm. uh, particularly Euthanasia because that also came out in 1994, mm-hmm. and that was a pretty fucking heavy album too. Um, but the thing is, it, it wasn't as important. It was heavy, but not, but they they had already been straying from from their. For lack of better yeah, terms, they actually metal roots. Some, like mm-hmm. more radio friendly things here, yeah. like uh, Elysian Fields, Killing Road, Blood of Heroes, one of my favorite tracks, but still pretty. Um, Euthanasia was their better accepted load. I could say I could see that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to point out. It, it was a it was better accepted than load, yeah. but Countdown to Extinction was their black album. Rust in Peace was their Injustice for All. It goes tit for tat right up until like the nineties. Yeah, because then you got Cryptic Writings, which I thought was what actually their was their black album because it just Cryptic Writings was their Reload. I, I thought actually I thought that was more the black because the Trust sounds just like it does. It's the same man. It does, but like I feel like Cryptic Writings as a full album was their Reload. It was yeah. the one that was really kind of trying to uh, capture the. The time period, which was yeah. 1997, yep. you know, post grunge, getting into like a lot of alternative rock, uh, alternative metal, yeah, pre new metal. Um, but Rust in Peace, I think, I think I might have to agree with this uh, this one on this list only because of the the tracks on it and the the playing, the technicality of it, and, and especially in a 1990 yeah. time frame, because um, like we've been talking about, grunge was just coming, and the purpose of grunge was to take things away. From the technicality of like bands like uh, the thrash metal, mm-hmm. these guys said fuck that, and they polished it up, and they pro- they produced Holy Wars and Hangar 18, which are two of the best tracks, and they they, they still play live to this day. Yeah, the, the the album as a as a full package is 
is fantastic. Yeah. And it's it's what they needed. It's what metal needed at the time. Yeah. Because it was going through a, a commercially, it was going through a bit of a slump. We keep saying like you know important albums, um, but a lot of stuff you know was still coming out and and unbridled at the time, but not necessarily commercially successful. I think also 1990 was around the same time that like bands like Cannibal Corpse came around. Yeah, like the, yeah. the, the death metal, the Florida death metal scene was starting to come up yeah. pretty big at the I, time. I think too. this was the same year that uh, Eaten Back to Life came out. The first, I think it's the first Cannibal Corpse album. Mm-hmm. Pete, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. I think you're right. But yeah, like this is this is when that, that like and and the list unfortunately does not mention stuff like that. It does not mention these kind of death metal bands. Which well, I think would, I think th- this is heavy metal, right? It's heavy metal, just so, as a full on genre. So I think they I think I saw a list just like this. I don't know if it was from this particular website, but there was top ten death metal records. Okay. So I think it's a little. I think they they're specifically calling this heavy metal because so, they're not. Well, they're not discerning between thrash and not discerning between. No, they, yeah, they, they are doing a they're yeah. doing a full on view of it, yeah. which which is going to lead us into number five actually. Cause okay. Because you were just saying thrash, rain and blood slayer. Yep. Got to be there. Got to be. Yep. I mean, there's no question about it. Yeah. yeah as, as short as it was. I mean, uh, it's still a masterpiece. It's, yeah, it's, it's the it's the perfect Slayer yeah. album. I mean, from beginning to end, um, with Angel of Death all the way through, it's just the perfect thrash metal album. Mm-hmm. Um, like bands have tried to do what they did in the same amount of time, and they just yeah, yeah like they just nailed it like song for song. Yeah, I mean, it's just it is the perfect album, and I think even Slayer has been trying to recreate that vibe on every album subsequently and they haven't been able to do yeah. it um, there are other albums that are were were better quality like not song wise but like you know better sound right right um, a little bit more accessible like Seasons in the Abyss who had a little bit more accessible accessibility to it especially with songs like Seasons in the Abyss and Skin, Dead Skin Mask but for pure ferocity yeah. for, for something that extreme at the time to come out I mean this is around I think this even might have been before Black Metal by Venom Around the same time, Black Metal mm-hmm. by Venom was nineteen eighty one. Eighty two. Eighty two. Is it two? Yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. And Rain and Blood was eighty six. Okay. Yeah. Well, in America, this was it. This yeah. was the most. I think it might have been one of the most extreme band, um, albums to come out at the time, mm-hmm. and it was important for that particular side of thrash. I think. Because mm-hmm. that was probably what what would lead into like the bands like Cannibal Corpse and Death and things like that down in Florida yeah so number four is Blizzard of Oz by Ozzy Osbourne now they do mention in the list um that Diary of a a Madman would have been their close second I think Diary of a Madman is a better album yeah sure um but I think as far as important goes, I think this one is yeah. the better call. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's Ozzy coming fresh out of the gate after right. Sabbath. After, after Sabbath. With, with a huge track that is Crazy Train. And it introduces the world to Randy Rhodes. Right. Yes. I it's, mean, especially because of the tracks like you said, Crazy Train and it, D. It introduces the world to a different uh, element of Randy Rhodes because he was already with Quiet Riot. Right, 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 right. Um, but it kind of just let him... You know, he was the songwriter in mm-hmm. this band. Uh, was he the songwriter in the Quiet Riot too, or probably? Do we know? But I don't know 100. percent Okay, because I'm sure he wrote everything for Ozzy. But yeah, but with with Ozzy, his stuff was a little bit more on display. I'd say. Yeah. Um, and a lot of classic tracks came from this album. 
Um, they do mention in the video that it was a bit more melodic than Black Sabbath, which is, you know, for someone like me, it's like, what? Fantastic. But as a full package, Diary of Madman was a better album. Cause like, at the time it came out, was it important? Or was it just another good Ozzy album? I mean, at, at the time, I guess it was just like another Ozzy album. Because um, I think I think they're they're like we mentioned already that the reason that they think this album was important is it was important to Ozzy. Yeah, yeah. To come away after being fired from Black Sabbath to come out with such a strong record mm-hmm. right off the bat, right, and pretty much reestablish himself back into the heavy metal scene like this list has been very internally consistent because it's like it's not about like which album is the best right it's yeah. almost like chronologically like because it, it seems to like go like the like that early album that was like the bigger album uh-huh. in a way and that's the one that they're putting on this list right so. a lot of the stuff they put on here is expected that's 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 how I, I approach I approach a lot of their videos like that because like I, I figure that what I think is going to be on the list is usually on the list, and a lot of this stuff, like they, the only surprise they've pulled so far is the Def Leppard album. Yeah, yeah. And again, that one we don't even deserve, think deserves to be on the their list. Reason, so. Their reasoning is questioned, but um, I still do love Blizzard of Oz. Uh, I think it was a fantastic album for its time. It did have a lot of great tracks, um, and I suppose that it did get a lot of uh, a lot of people into heavy metal because of the fact that again we're talking about accessible here Ozzy was a little more accessible than Black Sabbath was oh yeah especially with the track sure. like Crazy Train yeah. oh yeah yeah he, he definitely kind of was able to reel people in a little bit more ooh oh hi hang on hang on oh, cue sure. that clip Dump that cock! number three number of the beast Iron Maiden oh Wow, yeah, that's not higher to be honest. I don't well, that the thing is, two. when you pick the when you when you hear the the next two, okay, you, you it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, okay. it okay. makes sense. Um, I'm not even going to argue this one because I know the fact that Number of the Beast was the band's breakout. Oh yeah, yeah. most certainly. There's, I mean, there's no question about it. To yeah. this day, I have that in my car right now. Like, yeah, I'll just on like yeah, I need some Iron Maiden. That's going to be my go-to album. Yeah. Like yeah, uh, there's no there's God, no dude. Doubt like about just it. It, yeah. like that song list, like 21 Acacia Avenue. Children of the Damned, Hollow Be Thy Name, fuck. I mean, like, yeah. that's like another, almost that's like Slayer. Yeah. I mean, from like just beginning from beginning to end. Invaders, yeah. right off the bat. Fucking Invaders is a great song. Yeah, it just knocks it out of the park and just beats you over the head and it doesn't stop Yeah, for, you know, 35 minutes. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, again, they got more technical with Power Slave. They um, they had a kind of like a magical moment in between between the the raw power of Number of the Beast and the technicality of Power Slave with Peace of Mind, but Number of the Beast is responsible for getting this band worldwide. And period. it's what in, and it was the first record with Bruce, right? It was the first record with that's Bruce. Right. So that that, that right that's there. important. Yeah, yeah. very it's important milestone. So, so it, it's it's everyone. It's a lot of people's first introduction to. New wave of British heavy metal, right. a lot of dueling uh, melodic. Guitar I was going to say between this and and, and Judas, Judas Priest, Priest is what introduced yes. is what influenced thrash as far as the harmonies go. Right alone, it's what influenced metal as far as harmonies go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, melodic death metal is yeah, largely inspired to yeah. this. So yeah. it's it's very important. Yeah. So that was one of the spot on choices that they had. So now, if I had to guess, I mean, if if they're number three, guess what number two is. Okay, I'm I'm just 
Black Sabbath has to be up here. Okay, but guess what number two is? Uh, I don't know. Metallica? Metallica, Master yeah. of Puppets is number two. Um, again, it is expected. It is the appropriate answer because of the fact that it was their most refined album at the time. It was their heaviest, their most, um, I would say, technical, per, per se. Um, I wouldn't say that because I think I think Justice trumps as far as technicality goes. At, at the time, but, but but as far as of as what Metallica did up until that point, right? That it was their masterpiece, and it and, and it's still in many people's minds. It is still their masterpiece. Uh, like, yeah, and I can't I can't disagree yeah. with that. And again, yeah. it goes to almost accessibility in the sense because I mean, Kill 'Em All is a great album, but Master of Puppets. Yeah. Is like that's when everyone kind of started to really know Metallica. Yeah, you know I, mean, they, I mean, they, the video mentions um, Ride the Lightning, and many fans think that that is a superior album. It, they mention it as being more groundbreaking. Yeah, okay, they mentioned okay. more groundbreaking because you know they were a thrash metal band. They did a ballad. Um, they were really fucking fast and all that nonsense. But I think as far as songwriting goes, as far as um, breaking metal into the mainstream mm-hmm. um, and pretty much being one of the like the lead offs of that year we already talked about 1986 being the year of like uh, Peace Cells Master of Puppets Rain and Blood and that might have been spreading the disease year spreading too, disease possibly so we're talking about the, that year for the big four was it and it was spearheaded by Master of Puppets mm-hmm. uh, that's what broke Thrash yeah. into from like clubs and like small arenas yep. to stadiums absolutely I think even um, weren't they didn't they album sell gold before um, they got to um, Injustice for All? I'm not sure. I feel like it sold particularly well. I, I could be completely. Well, wrong. I I think, but this is also the tour that they were on when Cliff Burton passed away. Um, they were on tour with Ozzy. Yeah. And apparently, you know, you always see those 1980s videos of like, well, who are you here to see? Ozzy and Metallica. We're here to see fucking Metallica. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, they were stealing the show. Yeah. Apparently. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is, it was something new and fresh and it yeah. was something accessible, even their eight minute long songs, which is like probably unheard of at the time because prog rock wasn't as big as it was, as it is, eight minutes long and it doesn't feel like eight fucking minutes. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like it's a pummeling and it's just so fucking good. The fact yeah. also that their eight minute song, which I'm pretty sure you're referring to Master of Puppets, the yes. title track, uh, is still played on the radio in its entirety. Yes. When, one of the very few. When back in 1975, uh, radios almost refused to play Bohemian Rhapsody because of the fact that it was six minutes long. Yeah. Which, I love Queen because they said, uh, fuck you, this is our single, play it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Metallica, Master of Puppets, obviously very important. Yep. Arguably, arguably their best album. Um, I I kind of like Injustice for All. Uh, I was gonna say my personal favorite is Injustice for All. <laughs> all right, uh, I'm gonna run through their honorable mentions real quick. First one up is Holy Diver by Dio. I think that they should take fucking Def Leppard off and put that well, on. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna have a discussion on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that is a, a travesty. Yes, no, I, I agree. I agree I, with that. I I. I I will say this to the day that I die, is that Dio 
as much credit as he does get, was still sorely underrated. Sorely. Absolutely. Sorely underrated. I think oh, it might have had to do more with his subject matter because he was so fantastical. or so out there. But even in nowadays, in the last 20 years where everything is just like lyrical content has gone wherever the fuck. Yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't even matter at that point. His His vocals were absolutely incredible unmatched I've I've only ever heard one person somewhat sound like him on a record and that was probably incidental um you just need more Dio um, and unfortunately we won't get any unless there's like some vault with some unreleased tracks but I'm sure he's gotta right. have something out there I'm sure there is there, there was supposed to be a Magicka 2 and 3 well then so um, but the next one up on the honorable mentions was Venom Black Metal. Okay, now that's mine. That's yeah. the one I feel should be is somewhere on this list, if uh, number seven, not higher. I actually love that album. Dude, Countess Bathory and fucking Black I mean, this is the album that Black Metal is obviously, it's yeah. their defining. It's, yeah, it's yeah. their sort of Black Sabbath album, you know what I mean? Like, it's... I don't know that that's my travesty. Like this should be on the list. I I remember like, sitting around. Fucking, everyone wears the stupid fucking Venom shirt, and they don't <laughs> even know it. It's like the Che Guevara of metal. Like, <laughs> yeah. like goddamn it! Like so, how could they not be influential? I don't understand. Whatever. Whatever. Wow, he's heated. Oh man. <laughs> At least they're mentioned though. Yes, fair <laughs> enough. But yeah. Def Leppard got the credit, so that's that is that, true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Venom. <laughs> Suck on it, Kronos. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I remember, uh, I worked at at Tower years ago, and this album was there every time I was there, and it was a fairly cheap price. And I was like, Venom, I've heard they're good. I'm gonna buy this album. Fucking listen to it like every single night, playing fucking um, some random dungeon crawler on GameCube. So it's me playing that GameCube. game, GameCube. Wow. Yeah. Oh me, me playing that game on GameCube and listening to black metal yeah. for like nights on end. It was. But- Great album. That's what it's meant for. Like that's what makes it such a good fucking <laughs> album. Is that you can it's do like that. A, like a near Diablo game, and I'm playing that, yes. that that album. Yes. So so yeah, I I can I can feel it there for sure. I I never quite understood how it went from being that style to being black metal as we know it now, because it's pretty drastically different. But it's it's I think it's more the lyrical content because I mean they were heavily on like the satanic stuff really because because teacher caught me masturbating underneath the desk uh, I'm pretty sure the next line is something about <laughs> winking and saying I'll see you after class that is black metal no it's not <laughs> no but I mean fair enough but like still. I mean, because think about like the symbology and stuff that they had. You know symbology. what I mean? Like all like the like the stupid fucking it's pentagram. Symbolism. <laughs> what? No, it's the Brudock Saints. The, oh, I'm like. <laughs> I was like, what the, the fuck? Symbology. Are you? <laughs> That's a word, goddammit. Is it really a word? Yes. I'm gonna look it up now. Symbology is this. I think it's the the, the study, study of, of whatever. <laughs> What's the symbolism? The symbolism. <laughs> um. So so so. Continue on. Next one is Sepultura Roots. I think we could probably talk about how um, an album prior to Roots would be better choice for them. Oh well, for for influential Roots would be fine. Well, oh yeah, okay. It, again, this is mid. This is nineteen ninety six, mid nineties. We're talking about we're talking about bands that are kind of getting flack for going grunge and bands that are still kind of staying true to it. Um, Sepultura, while not necessarily staying true to their own roots, 
Ha, puns. Ah, um, stop. They were um, they were still continuing with a sound that was heavy, that was their own, that wasn't sticking with. And it was more like, world, yeah, because they, they recorded in Brazil and mm-hmm. whatnot with a whole bunch of um, villagers and things and like that. A lot of this stuff, you know, so, like this album in particular, was kind of pivotal to new metal as it was forming at the time. Yeah, which, depending on your opinion, is a good or bad thing. Um, I have said many times on previous podcasts that I will always prefer the oldest Sepultura material because um, I was not crazy about Roots. I'm still not crazy about Roots. Oh, I happen to love Roots. Uh, I remember when it came out. I was in high school, and that was like that. That like Fear Factory. I remember being like really ridiculously important to Fear me. Factory. Uh, manufacturer Demanufacture. Yes. Um, yeah, because I remember you. You. Initially, weren't keen on Digimortal. No, not really. Yeah. No. I, anyway, we let's not get into Fear Factory because yeah. I can talk about that for a while. Yeah, uh, but Roots in and of itself was obviously important. Um, the next one up, which I had mentioned to you, to knowing that would make you happy, uh, Death, Scream, Bloody Gore. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not like I said. I'm I'm familiar with like uh, Sound of Perseverance and a little bit of Leprosy. I'm not familiar with this particular album, but that band in general yeah. needs to be represented somewhere. Because Precursor to death metal. It it, it, it was the beginning of death metal. I mean, it's in their name. For yeah, sake. there's that, and like when you when you talk to other when you listen to people talk about death, like not uh, the band, not like death itself, but um. <laughs> <laughs> there's such a, rev- a reverence there like people talk about it like it, it's like like Pete said that Venom is the Black Sabbath of black metal death seems to be the Black Sabbath of death metal right because the way they presented it their, the vocal stylings were very pioneering at the time the, the guitar styling the yeah. drumming everything about that band was pretty much groundbreaking. And there's a lot of crossover, too, because it's, like, very technical. I mean, it had a lot of influence on prog, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because, yeah. like, the Chuck's yeah. guitar work is yeah, out of this yeah, fucking world. Yeah, so, it was so good. Um, the bass playing on it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, the musicianship yeah. itself, I mean, a lot of people make fun of death metal for being very guttural and, and in your face, but the thing is, death metal does have a lot of really good musicianships behind it, and death the was band. the initial band that really threw that out there. Yeah. Uh, next one up for honorable mentions was Slipknot, self-titled debut. Mm, now, this I, was... I would I would have to agree. I have this to. This really? was one of the heavier, commercially successful albums of new Metal. Um, if we're talking about new Metal, I would say more so Korn. Korn yes. self-titled. Well, the thing is, I, I'm also thinking about important albums I mean when you talk about important albums you can talk about Korn's self-titled debut but 10 years later or like you know s- several years later you had the absolute powerhouse that is Slipknot mm. I mean they broke new ground as far as what was going on at the time and the thing is I think they got a bum rap by being lumped in with new Metal because right. they they really don't belong with that mm. I mean, they were Early a lot they heavier. Did. They definitely did that. In that first release, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, that's new metal to yeah. me. Like, I would, I would definitely. It to me, this list, it's tough because, like, on the one hand, it seems like they want to like separate like the kind of subgenres a little bit. So it's like, where do you draw that line? Like, it, like, because if we are gonna include new metal, then I would agree with you, Dan, that it's corn. I mean, corn is the, I think the the bigger influence there. 
I, I think the way the list wants to go is that Sepultura was a bigger influence on new metal than Korn was, and Slipknot was kind of the culmination of it at the time where new metal was hitting its well, stride is, or its if, peak. If you're going to think about okay. if you're going to yeah. think about important albums yeah. for Korn, it would have been more Follow the Leader than the than the, the debut. That was more commercially successful, sure. But that's but, what kind of the rest of the list is doing. Well, that's the thing yeah, is that like, it's the same thing with Slipknot. The Slipknot's first record was a commercial success. It was humongous. Yeah. I mean, Iowa wasn't nearly as commercially successful, no. yet that was a superior album. I mean, mm. well, okay, fine, but, you know, <laughs> I thought it was superior because it was heavier. It was more brutal. I kind of like Made Feet Kill Repeat. <laughs> I do, oh, too. That's a weird-ass fucking I love that, was, that record. That was a great album. I love the slap bass in uh, Bitch yeah. Slap. That I is remember. a great fucking song. That, that's a, that was a cool album just for like when it came out, because it was sort of like in those days of like Kazaa and shit, and so I remember it was just like I was on the bus, and my friend was like, oh, you gotta listen to this fuck. This is like the unheard Slipknot shit. I almost didn't think it was actually them. I thought they were like joking with me, you know? Right. But man, it was really fucking Because then they, we recorded some of those songs later on in like the f- debut and then into Iowa. They recorded yeah. some, re-recorded some of those songs. I, I will say though that their, their re- redone version of Only One is better than the original version. Everything else though, like their original version of Gently, Y'all like, doesn't hold a candle. Yeah, yeah, like, they, they can't. Like the new version does not does not. Work. Oh my god, it's so good. So, and I, I really wish they would have re-recorded "Bitch Slap." <laughs> I fucking love that song. I want to put a cap right in your ass. Oh, <laughs> uh, it, it's just it was it was very weird for the time. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Anyway, last one, number one on the list, as expected, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. Of course. Yep, of course. Not even an argument. Not even, not even a question. Um, I'm not even going to say, like, oh, Paranoid should be on there. No. Black no. Sabbath. Black Birth Sabbath. of Heavy Metal. Yeah. Birth of Heavy Metal. Um, what I like about this album in particular is that it was a little bit more off the cuff. I feel like Paranoid was a little bit more refined. Um, the I don't know what track it is necessarily off the top of my head, but there's one that's 14 minutes long, and it's like four songs in one, drum solo in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. It just showed off everything the band was capable yeah. of. Yeah, it was that that I mean, yeah, that album alone created the music that, that we listen to, yeah. and, and I think I think the solo to Wicked World, like yes. when everything cuts out and it's just the, it's just yes. Tony Iommi, mm-hmm. the solo to Wicked World is one of my favorite solos of all time. Just yes. it's just like like I'm gonna play all this shit right here. <laughs> oh my god, I remember trying to learn how to play that, and there's so many like it's a, it's Tony just wailing, but there's also layers to his wailing. There's like two or three different guitar lines going on at the same fucking time. Yep. It's incredibly hard. Yeah. Oh my god. That that album was just from the beginning notes of Black Sabbath. I mean, if once the once the rain and thunder hits, that's you, it. You're and that that thing still sounds so relevant. Yeah. Today, which is actually uh, I, I was listening to um, the box set version of it, um, the one they released a few years in the black box. Yeah. The remastered version of it sounds fucking amazing yeah it does like it doesn't sound like it came out of the 70s it sounds like it came out of fucking yesterday that's because the funny thing is that we were talking about all these retro bands they're still trying to create that sound and they're coming close but they're just there's just no recreating Tony Iommi it just goes back to that other discussion part like what was it like listening to them when they came out right you know having this like no understanding of how to even process this kind of music to I mean, hear a new genre being born like that yeah and the thing nuts. is people who listen to Black Sabbath for the first time even today yeah they're still blown away by it but to, like he said to be the f- the, the first put that needle yeah on the record like did they headbang 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, was that even, like, a thing? Like, I don't know. Like, like I don't, I don't think we've, we've, we've had that kind of experience in our, yeah. in our generation because we've kind of come into things. Exactly. And we haven't, the things that we've been uh, privy to the birth of has been either a re- rebirth of sorts, like um, the new wave of American heavy metal with Lamb of God and stuff like that. It's like a rebirth of thrash. Uh, we got the retro bands coming out right now. We we haven't witnessed or experienced anything worthwhile like that. Right. Yeah, we we haven't seen the creation of the basic elements. We've seen all the combinations. Yeah, right. So, um, and I really like even to this day listening to that record. I I just feel like a kid again. Yeah, and just being totally enthralled by something like that. I mean, going on with that that same discussion about. Um, <clears throat> not knowing not having that experience of, of seeing something in its formation I feel that if I were around at the time I would have a greater appreciation for a lot of the bands that I'm kind of indifferent to I'd probably have a greater appreciation for the Beatles and Led Zeppelin if I were around when they were first first there but because of the fact that everything else is kind of formed around them I'm kind of like you're good but I like this more yeah I yeah I can see where you're coming from for that and that's probably where a lot of the like the the generation that's after me kind of like thinks of it because when I hear people talk about bands and they say oh well Metallica's not that good it's like you don't fucking know you weren't there <laughs> but, ah! but I feel like such an old man but the fact of the matter is, is that these kids are growing up on the stuff that was coming out at the time that like Led Zeppelin like Metallica's like the Led Zeppelin now yeah like, I mean, they're a classic rock band now. that's gonna be an eternal struggle in that yeah. the previous generation will always think their stuff is better than the newer generation. I mean, that's a lot of it is just because the newer generation has, has an ignorance. Yeah, there's, no, there's about... no study of the history right. of that led up to what they're listening to now. Like, we actually, I think, I think it's because metal is now becoming old. I mean, we're talking about 40 years. We, come, we came into it in the 80s. It's only 20 years old. I mean, rock and roll has been around for a lot longer, so we think that stuff's like, you know, ancient history, right. yada, actually, yada, yada. We're hitting on 50 years soon. All right, well... That's still, I mean, I started listening to it 20, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was still relatively young. Now that metal itself has been like, has passed that like 50 year mark, it's old music now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people who were listening to Black Sabbath back in 1970 would have thought that stuff from the, you know, from the 40s and 50s was really old. That's what those kids are thinking now about the music that we're listening to. So I, I am finding, though, I, I feel that a lot of, um, people are embracing stuff the older stuff in general I think it's also probably a little bit more accessible too because if you want to listen to the old stuff when we first started getting it, you had to go out search for it buy it mm-hmm. now if you want to get into Black Sabbath you go to Spotify you go to Pandora type in the word Black Sabbath and you will yeah. get a myriad of songs to, to choose from there's a whole like music is a lot more connected now like yeah. it's a lot easier to track down the roots and related music than it ever was before um, so I think that's a that's a a good thing for this generation that they have a little bit of an easier time finding out where all this music kind of came from. But then it's a matter of them actually doing it. Sure. What I would like to see is like, again, sometimes some people don't necessarily like it, but I would like to see a lot of more modern artists call back to, um, older artists. Um, not necessarily metal calling upon metal. I would like to see a lot more mainstream stuff calling upon metal. Um, to better effect like we were talking about Lady Gaga a couple weeks ago yeah. saying you know, she's a huge Maiden fan if she covered a Maiden song I'd be cool with that yeah. 
I, I would love to hear that. I um, think she'd probably do a really good fucking job on yeah, it, too. I'm, yeah. I'm even okay with the, the song that Busta Rhymes did with uh, Ozzy Osbourne and doing Iron Man in the background. Or, uh, I'm, it, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that, because the song wasn't that bad. Or even, and, sorry, even like crossover, like Exhibit and Within Temptation. I mean, that was, was actually a really, like, I, the first time I heard that, I was like, what's that going to sound like? I was very, like, skeptical about it, but it turned out to be one of the better songs on that track, on that album. So. Even considering the fact that a lot of bands are coming out now, like Amaranth, they sound like a pop band that just happens to be kind of heavy. Yeah. So, I mean, I would like to see a lot more of that stuff in, in the mainstream, and in particular, a lot more appreciation of the older stuff. Mm-hmm. So... But that's even not even here nor there. That could be a topic for a completely another day. <laughs> yeah, so I think we're gonna, you know, we might make our wrap cur- this one up. We're yeah, gonna make up. our curtain yeah. call on that note because we're actually hitting over two hours now. Uh, but until next time, subscribe to my YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/AdamAndsTemplum, for more Shred Shack related content, including interviews, editorials, concert reviews, and the like. Uh, you can expect an I saw a show for the Homegrown Hero show that we saw. You can expect this podcast, obviously. And you can expect our Nightmare World review to come up on February 5th. Finally. Finally. We did it. We have to do a few little uh, last bit recordings here and there, but for the most part, it is done. Uh, it is recorded, not done. Um, but it will be finally be up, and then we will kind of assess how we're going to do this review stuff going forward. Yeah, because this was a trial by fire. Yes. <laughs> a very a much appreciated trial by fire. Oh, of course. Which we got into in the video, so we'll not, we won't go into it yeah. now. But uh, for more up-to-the-minute updates and news from yours truly, follow my Twitter account at username NovusRedemptor. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at UpTheIron3314 for my adventures in fitness and nerd stuff. Um, I've actually been posting a little bit more frequently, so it's been it's been kind of cool. Um, you can follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash UpTheIron3314 for fitness and nutritional counseling. Um, if you're interested, if you're in the San Antonio area, I can train you in the area. If you're not, I can do it online to the best of my abilities. Um, or you can just become my friend on Facebook and you can uh, follow my nerd stuff, especially when I win at Trivia by answering all the Man, easy go questions. Fuck yourself, okay? <laughs> you got all the easy ass I got all the, actually we're talking about a, a point system now for that game. Like hold on, I got two points for you right here. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> like that. So it it would be two points for like behind the scenes and like geography and history questions and for goodies, baddies and uh things it would be like one point. Three points like to suck on my dick. <laughs> yeah, you're a douche. And you can follow me on Twitter at Abyssal Sun for more metal news, reviews and releases. If you're hearing this, I will assume you found your way to our Mixcloud page, likely through somebody else's page, because we've been getting a lot of shares lately. Mixcloud.com slash The Shred Shack is currently your primary source for all previous installments of The Shred Shack podcast, as well as recordings of The Shred Shack live radio show. Speaking of the live radio show, the last show was not uh, posted yeah, online. Yeah, what was that about? I got a uh, rough up pattern. Uh, but tune in to Pat and Reese every Wednesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for two hours of heavy metal music and banter banter that is occasionally interrupted by music. Not like us, we just banter. You can find the link to the weekly show as well as any and all Shred Shack related updates on our Facebook page facebook.com slash the Shred Shack. I think we mentioned last week that we are working on getting um, some stickers going down. So look to your local bar bathrooms and stuff or find a good place to put a Shred Shack sticker and we'll send you one. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, seriously. Uh, But they haven't arrived yet so that's coming soon quiet phone until next time I'm Dan Mack I'm Chris Mack and I'm Pete reminding you that the world is full of